0: It's gone. It's a grand slam. And that's the ball game. This is the Prospects Baseball Show, your inside look at the boys and girls of summer. Here's your hosts, Dean Millard and Jordan Blundell.
1: Hello there and welcome to the prospects baseball show episode 11, the playoff podcast as the Edmonton prospects are on to the Western Canadian baseball league playoffs. So my name is Dean Millard, uh, coach and assistant GM Jordan Blundell will join us in just one second. We will recap a crazy long weekend that turned into a playoff berth. We will speak with pitching coach, Austin Guzzo, who had to work a lot of magic with so many games in a three-day stretch, it was unbelievable. We'll also give you a chance to win some tickets to the Winter Banquet, and we will talk about our World Series favorites post-deadline. And let's get going and go around the horn in baseball.
2: Hey, bada, 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 so wee bada.
0: God, I'm looking at the curveball. Let's go around the horn and get the big news in baseball.
1: Well, the big news, Jordan, is you guys are on a seven-game heater heading into the playoffs after an absolutely crazy long weekend. Like everybody else had a long weekend, you guys had a ridiculously long weekend. You get, you play two innings Friday, and then a massive hail falls down on you. Then you finish that game Saturday at noon. You play another game at two. You play another game at seven. Triple header. Double header on Sunday, and then another one to wrap it up yesterday. You win them all. Uh, like, How are you not sleeping right now?
2: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit tired. Last night was uh, it was easy to fall asleep, and, and my Kramer from Seinfeld internal clock to get up was a little bit later. I, I slept through the, the normal time I wake up, so I'm sure all the guys are feeling it too. Uh, what a run that was, Dino. Um, yeah, I definitely felt good to, to hit the hay last night. So let's,
1: I I really want to go through the the weekend bit by bit. Friday night, uh, you get rained out. So you have to play again Saturday. You pick up that game. And and by the way, that's the day we hosted uh, all of our uh, podcast winners in the suite. Um, we, we couldn't do the batting practice because of the, the litany of games that you guys yeah. had. So we'll get that figured out later, but it was really gracious of you to give them a tour of the dressing room the locker room and to meet some of the players So the couple of kids that were there really enjoyed it. So we had a lot of fun watching this unfold. So you start the game Saturday at noon in the second inning, uh scoreless, I think bottom
2: of bottom base. of 2 I think it was 1-1 one, 1-1 one. One, one. that's right yeah base is loaded base is loaded none out, 1-0 count and then you game go on. from
1: there and so and, and and so so take me through like um you know first of all I I I didn't tell you but why I have a little bit of a somebody had a, some secret uh, audio of you on I think on Thursday night talking to the team We won a game yesterday and if we win one today that's two in a row we win one tomorrow. That's called a winning streak. It has happened before.
0: So let's see some hustle. Let's jack it up a little. I got a feeling things
1: are about to turn around for us. You were right. Like that was an epic speech, uh, by the uh, way. Uh, I uh, love. Who's the, the mole? Let's jack How it up. Let's that? jack it up. <laughs> well, we used to have a thing when Hernan and I did uh, the uh, post-game show called "Fake Locker Room Sounds." So. Maybe that'll help. But yeah. anyway, that it's, it's, I, I don't know, what was your pregame speech on Saturday? Like, to What you know, you have three games to play. Your, your margin of error was one,
2: you could only lose one game. Uh, zero, really. But like, if we lost one, we needed some help. You needed some help. So yeah. the margin of error, What what did you say
1: to the guys on Saturday before the noon game?
2: Um, they, like when we came back, we knew what the stakes were. There wasn't a big uh, Lou Brown moment uh, by any means. Like I, it just really felt like the guys needed to be together. And um, you know, we've got some leaders in that clubhouse. Um, there, it was a tall order in front of us. Uh, they knew what what needed to happen for us to get in. And I think if we, if we started putting too much pressure on them and, and talking about it, you know, like, hey, we got to do this, we got to do that you know, it was going to make it more difficult to happen. So um, I, re- I really just steered clear of the guys, um, you know, like obviously support them, but it was their time to be together as a group. Um, they had shown that that was happening um, as a group a couple of weeks ago, that they were starting to take the reins of the ball club themselves. Um, and that's what you want. Uh, the clubhouse is, is where they become a family. And I think that they were – becoming or had become a family. And then obviously when you're faced with the adversity that we had, uh, to, to basically have to win out, I think that was what everybody thought we didn't, we didn't tell them that they can look up the standings themselves and see what's up. Um, they knew what needed to be done and, and you know, like they really just never looked, looked past what was happening in the moment. And I think that they really found a way to live in the moment, take it pitch to pitch, hustle on and off the field. Um, whether you're a little bit sore, or tired, or banged up, which they all were, uh, and just go and do the best that you can, and take care of the the minimum job. And uh, credit to these guys, they're baseball warriors in that clubhouse. Um, that's something that just doesn't happen very often. What they were able to do, so super proud of them. And, you know, we we had a nice chat yesterday after the the final victory when we got inside after the autograph session with the with the friends and family of, of the Edmonton prospects and, and fans. I mean, um, you know, we talked about it, you know, I told them how proud I am of them, uh, that they were able to do what they did and, and to do it the way they did it, you know, as a group, everyone chipped in, uh, which was awesome. Uh, really proud of them.
1: So that's, let's go back to this, the first Saturday game. And we're going to get into it a little bit more detail with Austin Guzzo, who was managing mm-hmm. uh, the pitching staff. Uh, but you get 99 pitches from Tanner Roundy, who started the game on Friday. What Was, was it an easy decision, um, because he had only pitched two innings on that Friday night, to say, uh, we're going to go with you? Uh, were you expecting 99 pitches out of him on Saturday?
2: Well, he kind of looks like Gretzky's kid. So we, yeah, we he figured did. it would be. Yeah, what yeah he was exactly. Here. He's got
1: the flow going on out there, a little bit like Thor from uh, Noah Syndergaard, a little, a little bit as well.
2: Yeah, he's he's like Syndergaard. He's like he's like Gretzky's kid. Ty, we kind of joking about that earlier in the year. He's, he's got the flow. Um, we talked to Tanner. Um, you know, obviously you know, after the, the hail came, we hey, we're not going to play it through here. How do you feel? What do you think? Um, you know, he went and played catch after the, we had a delay there. He went through a little bit. Came back said, "Yeah, I'm gonna be good tomorrow." Um, uh, yeah, basically, I want I would like the ball back. Uh, we said, "Yeah, let's do this." You know, he's a veteran player, um, and we had an idea maybe a limit that that he would be at the next day, um, and and basically he he told us how many pitches he figured he had, and and he basically that's what he did. Uh, so huge, huge for a bullpen at that point. You know, like uh, to to save some arms, to save some touches, to even getting guys warmed up and and hot and then like oh he's going good just in the off chance we do need you got to plan ahead it's not just get hot you're coming in sometimes you you got to protect the guy on the mound and and get somebody going in case of something happening we didn't have to do that and and that allowed our our bullpen allowed the pitching staff to relax and rest longer as we would need them at some point
1: yeah so huge we were saying that as we were watching and then the later that game went and it took a long time uh like that game i was saying this is the one time you want a mercy rule um you could get on to the next game because unfortunately it didn't matter for yorkton but then that's not fair to the other teams in the league you have mm-hmm. to play as many games as as are scheduled but it was so important to get through that first game without touching the bullpen i think was huge so then you get to the second game a little bit more difficult and, I, and we said it um the other day and i texted it to you the second game on saturday i think is the key to the fact that you guys are on this seven game heater because you were trailing by four you went through a bunch of pitchers, guys gutted it out and you came back and win it in walk-off fashion uh, t- tell me the emotions of that game
2: yeah uh, that was a trying game uh frustrating for sure uh frustrating in the competitive person arena you know not frustrated at, at the guys like i know they were battling and uh, just frustrated for uh, the competitor in me that you know we were we were up against it. Our backs were against the wall, and it, it didn't look good. Um, you know, and figured like, hey, it's like somebody's got to do something around here. You know, just just the, the the level of the guys we have in that clubby, and and you know the the level of talent they have. It just felt like like why isn't why hasn't somebody done this yet? You know, and and we're up against the clock there. that the baseball time of the innings were dwindling down we were running out of outs um and and you know yeah, a the one things- thing
1: baseball has is time there's no clock in baseball but yet you guys were running out of time
2: we were, we were we were we were down to the last couple outs there and and thankfully we had a couple guys step up and find ways on base and put balls in play and put pressure on their team which is when we're going well is what we're good at is putting pressure on the other team. And we were able to do that finally, which we had been stifled a little bit through that game. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, if we don't get that game, you know, we're, we're not talking about the playoffs uh, as it's turned out. So, um, huge, huge that our guys were able to stick with it. And like, they had played a bunch of baseball already up to that point. And, yeah. and like knowing what the, 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 what was at stake and and you know what we had gone through already to get to that point and for them to persevere you know it just speaks to the character in there you know, we have, we have some leaders and and you may maybe not the most vocal guys but they are lead by example and play the game the right way guys and and that speaks volume whether you turn the volume up or not that message is carried through and there is a belief amongst the guys that they had just figured it out and find a way and they did
1: and then you get yeah you go to Saturday night and uh it just seemed uh I don't know I I, and I and I wasn't there on Saturday night but you know looking at the box scores from the next couple of games it seemed like your team had a totally different much more confident attitude so you you get to Saturday night Ernie Banks wouldn't have known what to say he he thought two was let's play two what are you talking about? Three, um, you know, what's the what was the fatigue like? What was the fatigue factor like in that Saturday night game? Because it had to have been, um, you know, something to deal with.
2: Had to have been. Yeah, we had we had a bite between games. There was there was enough time to actually relax. It wasn't a quick flip like a thirty minute flip would be a, considered a quick flip in baseball terminology. I think we had. Yeah, that we, was
1: the difference between the noon and the two p.m. It was a yeah, thirty minute. flip.
2: Yeah, and I think that game it was close to an hour and a half, so the guys were able to get in the clubhouse relax eat then relax a little bit more you know we told them like you know uh, 35 minutes out we got to get the bodies going uh you need to go get active don't don't wait it out till right before game time to to get you got to be really going. careful with that right yeah exactly and we, we talked about this is what we want to do strategy wise kick it in here do your thing um, which i think was good that they were able to recharge now in that game we we there was some fatigue for sure because we we didn't make a couple plays that we normally make, and 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 we looked tired uh, in those plays. Um, but we were able to shake it off. like It, it wasn't something that became an excuse. It happened. Uh, players moved on and then made the next play. Um, so there was a little bit of lapse in, in focus and, and mentality, which is... You know uh, understandable considering how many times they'd run on and off the field and got their mindset right and you're
1: all the other thing is you weren't playing the same team you had in the first two games you were playing a brand new fresh team it would have been different if it was a triple header against the same team because then everything's equal they're just as tired as you but brooks hadn't been playing they were there they were just waiting watching you guys get tired um (laughs) and, and and you you win that game and then you, you go on and, and did you see, you know, Saturday, even though you guys, or Sunday rather, you had played a lot of baseball on Saturday, that the guys were rejuvenated because, you know, winning is infectious?
2: Well, I think after getting that third win Saturday and, and leaving the park, um, I thought that was just really good. You know, obviously leaving on a good note. And then knowing that the, the the mountain ahead of us is a little bit less. We only have two tomorrow, guys. This, yeah. this is going to feel easy. You know, so there is, there is a little bit of mindset I felt like leaving the park that, You know, we've got another big day in front of us, but it's not something we haven't done before. And we just need to continue to take care of the things that we can. Um, And, and, you know, obviously getting that sleep and then coming to the yard and, you know, relaxing together in the clubhouse before we do our pregame. You know, just that that positive energy. It was easy to get back into that groove because we had kind of found a rhythm. Um, And so getting back to the yard Uh, for me, it was exciting. I like, I love it there. I love being around the guys. So for me, I was looking forward to getting back at it and and seeing, you know, let's get a little bit closer to what our goal is here. Maybe we can actually get this thing done. Um, so, so Sunday started off in the same way, just, you know, back to, back to basics, same routine. Here's, there's some food there, like get, get what you need and let's start, let's start it up again.
1: And then you get to Monday. So you win the two on Sunday. So now you're looking at your final game, and, and you know in. you just need one win. One win, and you're in. And one win also would allow you to do something that no prospect team has done before.
2: Finish 500, above yeah, 500. About
1: 500, yeah. which I don't know if you're even thinking about, but you're thinking about win and we're in. And so take me through Sunday, or yeah, Monday rather, and uh, you know what it was like leading up to that final out.
2: Yeah, we uh, I knew their their probably best guy was going Monday. Uh, he's a really good pitcher, uh, Nick Garcia. Actually, a couple, uh, he knows Travis Hunt, and, and Hunt knows a couple of those guys in in Brooks's club. He, so
1: that'd be a good matchup watching those two.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it was. Um, yeah, Nick Garcia's really good. You know, he's he's. Uh, he's beat some teams in this league. So I knew our toughest test was coming up. We kind of, we talked about being uh, the final level of Mario with Bowser waiting for us.
1: <laughs> That's um, awesome.
2: So that we knew that that was the case. And you know what, for me, what set the tone of that game was it was Pierce leading off and we were the visitors the last two games.
1: That's right. Yes. So
2: Pierce led off the game and just had this grinder at bat. Didn't give in, fouled some pitches off. Um, and that's podcast set, karma. That that did for sure. That set the tone. Um that we weren't gonna let him deal us today. Um and as it turned out, we we I mean we had to we had to fight and scrap. He's you know, he's good on the mound, and you know, he's flipping curveballs in there and hitters counts and, and we're pitching backwards and hitting spots. You have to spoil. Like against a good guy, you, like you don't need to put everything in play. You have to spoil and, and we did that. Pierce set the tone with that um so so going into that game you know like well, there's one more you know let's play this game for what it is it's a game like there's there's nothing else riding on it other than let's play this game and do our best. and i think the guys were in tune with that mentality um it, the credit goes to the players like i said there earlier you know there there was no big lou brown moment um the guys the guys took the reins of the ball club and, and went and got it done and and that's what makes it so rewarding and proud uh you know it's like you, you watch your kids grow up to be successful and and we kind of went through that process through the year the ups and downs and it was time for them to take take command uh to take to be the captain of the ship um and and it was it was really cool to watch them do that and and we needed everyone to do that so going through that process you know what we we went up uh and then they they answered back and we had to make an early pitching change that we were hopeful we didn't have to do uh, with, with a guy that's been really good for us this year. It just didn't work out for him yesterday. And, you know, thankfully enough, we, we went to Zach Harrington who, who uh, like answered the bell and then some stepped up and gave us six-plus innings of relief and, and kept them off balance and pounded and worked quick and, you know, all the things you need in exactly that situation. And, and you know, we kept fighting their guy on the mound and, and able to get a couple and took advantage of the couple mistakes that they made um, and then gave ourselves some breathing room um you know at no point even though we were we were up a little you know i think it was 12-5 and then it was 12-7 you know at no point was it like like a relax it was and that was i, I really appreciated that i thought that was really cool for our ball club it was just you know this back to work sprint the, to the finish the don't score coast. didn't matter yeah. we were just going to keep playing um that was awesome to be a part of
1: well it's so much better uh, tonight is going to be so much better for you uh than it could have been you you could have been watching another game uh refreshing your browser whatever you're doing uh to determine your fate uh, instead you win you're in and the playoffs start thursday in okotoks which is going to be a challenge for you guys taking on the first place club yep. uh friday back at home uh, you can get tickets at prospectsbaseballclub.ca and then saturday if necessary back down in okotoks so uh you know i've i've i saw okotoks before i think you guys uh, did you give them their, their, first loss, uh, this year? I or, think maybe, I, think I thought you did yeah. actually. Cause I, I, think I was working that game for ICU video. So let's chat a little bit about, you know, what you're going to be facing. Um, you, you get some rest here so you can reset your pitching staff going into the playoffs. Uh, what, what's it going to be like taking on Okotoks?
2: Yeah. You know, a lot of respect for that organization. Um, have you know, got a lot of talent over there too, uh, we're looking forward to this uh, for sure um you you got to you got to beat teams to move on and our goals are, are we're not done you know we have some goals that attached to what we wanted to try and accomplish this season um the first couple goals we we've accomplished um but that's only part of the journey that we're on um you know the setting the pitching staff up after so many innings and so many days I I'm not really sure yet what we're doing there you know we've got some ideas obviously where it's not uh, a complete mystery but Um, You know, we need to see how guys have bounced back, how they feel today and tomorrow before we probably make our decision for Thursday, Friday. Um, Some guys bounce back quicker than others, and there's some strategy also involved in matching up with with their offense and who we think will give us the best opportunity. Um, You know, it'll be a fun environment in their ballpark, uh, but I tell you what, man, Friday night with some nice weather in Edmonton at Remax Field, uh, I know our guys are looking forward to that opportunity. Uh, They love playing here. Uh, our fans are awesome um you know I I think everyone in the league says we have the best fans in the league Uh, I'm not going to say that I think it I I think our fans are the most engaged I think our fans are maybe the most educated in the sport of how they react to plays on Mm -hmm. and on on the field during the game their reactions are spot on um yeah we have the best fans in the league just like everyone else says but I'll tell you what like the the way they, the way they cheer us on, the way they approach heckling, the way they react to plays, uh, there's no question in mind that 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 part of our fandom is the best in the league. So, where do you stand on momentum?
1: There are some people that say momentum doesn't travel from game to game. Uh, there are others that think it does. There are some that think momentum from the regular season can or cannot uh, continue in the playoffs. I mean. You look at the NHL playoffs last spring and upsets galore, right? Like that was all the rage. You're on a seven-game heater. You have a few days. How do you make sure you don't cool down? Listen, all those guys are going to be revved up. But do you know what I mean? How do you – do you think you can carry momentum from the regular season into the playoffs?
2: I think if you're one of the guys that's really rolling, for sure, keep that going. If you're one of the guys that maybe hasn't done as well as you would like to be doing – I think you kill the regular season and start over in the playoffs. So um, it's kind of whatever works for you. Uh, for me, I, I feel like the ball club has grown a ton in the second half as a group. Uh, since the All-Star break, we've made some adjustments um, as a group on, on a couple of different things. Uh, we've seen that be, that adjustment be rewarded uh, with some performance upticks statistically. And stats don't tell the whole story. Um, you know, you could have a great day and not get a hit at the plate. There there's different things you do as a player. And I think we're doing some of those things that don't necessarily have a stat attached to it, that, that have made us stronger, made us a tougher opponent. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I think that the, the, the group, um, have having had to come together like they did. I think that that will help us in the playoffs. Um, you know, but as far as I'm concerned, every day is a new day in baseball. I think the guys respect that. Uh, you always respect the other team's starting pitcher who wants to get you out. Um, what happened yesterday doesn't matter to that person. He doesn't care what you did last week or today. Now, if you're rolling, you so sometimes the, the, the ball looks like a beach ball and you just can't get out. Dude, Dino, you know, like the, there's a the, catcher DH from Brooks, man. He must have hit eight hundred against us. Like <laughs> honestly, for four games, he did not. He hit every ball hard.
0: Just
1: mashed it
2: when he made a note. It was a missile at a guy. So Zach faced him in the seventh inning. He led off that inning with a home run. I was I took Zach out. The plan was to take Zach out anyway, but I wanted to see how Zach was could do against him. It was a running joke on the bench. Like how do we get this guy out? We were trying everything. Couldn't get him out. So I take Zach off. Unfortunately, his outing was better than having to be taken out on a home run. Mm-hmm. So we go to the next guy. He comes up again, and he goes the other way down the line for a double. And, like, our bench is laughing. Our bench laughed in the third inning when he hit a missile at a third baseman. You
1: should because... have had Zach throw it at the mascot. <laughs>
2: yeah. Throw it at
1: Homer. And then, what you know, Jake Gary says, I don't know where the next one's going. I we was...
2: thought We should have walked him. That's, you know, really. That's really we should good. just put yeah. them on like if nobody on nobody else like Who's no. coaching this put, team? Huh? You know, How is that on. not happening? What's going on there? Exactly.
1: Um there there is okay, you're in the playoffs in the Western Canadian Baseball League. There is a bigger picture uh for these ball players in life. That has to be something that you have to be aware of. There are teams in this league where some of their pitchers have already met their limits that their college coaches have put on them and you know, they're not they're not playing anymore. Mhm. You have to be very conscious and, and, you know, we're going to talk later with Austin Guzzo, your pitching coach about the communication between you guys in game, but there also has to be big picture communication about, you know, we can't run, um, this pitcher out too much because his college coach is not going to be happy. We'll never get a player from there. If you sewer yeah. yourself now, Yeah. Uh, if you sewer yourself to, to win now, you'll never win later.
2: For sure. And, and it goes to keeping the player healthy while they're here That's and, right, and respecting their arm and respecting that they're probably going to say, yeah, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. I feel great. You know, they're going to put the pressure on us to hey, give them They're not going to want to say no. no. No, they don't. They're competitive. So, um, you know, I was looking through the innings pitched. Uh, we've got a couple guys with some, some good inning totals. They've thrown a lot. Those guys are, are seniors. They're veterans. Um, they, they may be done after this. You know, they indicated to to our coaching staff that they were willing to do mm-hmm. these things. I think that, really, in all honesty, I think the only pitcher we really pushed was Taron. Uh, we let him go. We let him extend a couple of times this year. Um, Taron Taron Olton. Okay, I've known Taron for a while. Um, he's that type of guy. It's not easy to take the ball from him on the mound anyway. So it just saved me the hassle from you know wrestling the ball from him. Uh, but he's a competitor, and there was a couple times where, you know, Taron, if you feel good, I think we need to let you go get this one, and, and he's all about that. Uh, so it's easy. I have to be conscious. You know, there is a limit eventually. Mm-hmm. I think Taryn flirted with that, like, upper end limit twice this year, the last game here at home. Uh, we, we wanted that for him. He wanted to try and go a CG for us and for himself like that's his last potential college like that's his last college outing but you know maybe his last really competitive outing I don't think it will be because he's going to go to nationals for senior men's down the line but that's that's a different story you know he did that for us earlier in the year against Brooks um after having some rest and 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 he was going to have some more rest that we weren't going to need him. so he extended there he's extended in school before so he has experience doing this he's a workhorse like that um, but I think if you look at the innings pitch total, and this is something that we would definitely um, use as we meet new coaches and recruit players from current programs we deal with and future programs, is a list of the innings pitched and, and the workload for guys. I think it's, you know, in my opinion, we, we, we've done right by our pitching staff. Um, we, we've never put anyone in a position, like other than Taryn, we extended, but everyone else has been within the guidelines. Uh, that, that are movable objects. You know, the bumper pull, it's a, you never know really exactly what the inning limit is. Um, I don't think we ever flirted with using, using anybody too much. Um, I guess we'll see uh, as far as, you know, the feedback from the programs that we have guys going back to. Uh, we'll see what they say. I, I think that we've uh, done a good job uh, of protecting our arms, giving them enough work. You know, a couple guys probably want to throw a little bit more. Um, but at the end of the day, it's about going back to your program healthy. I think we'll do that. And I think that uh, we've proven, you know, as a as a staff, coaching staff, that we can handle that responsibility of getting guys work while balancing. They can only do so much. So we feel good about what's happened.
1: So you're taking on Okutok starting Thursday in the playoffs and then hopefully a few more playoff rounds after that as well. Uh, you're also, um, I, I guess you're... I don't know if "battling" is the right word, but uh, you, you're fighting for the right to be at Remax Field. Um, you guys, as a team, have a meeting scheduled with the city of Edmonton, August fifteenth, to discuss the proposal that you guys put forth. Was it in the, in the winter time? It was a while ago. So, tell us a little bit what uh, you know, what the, the, the hope is out of that meeting.
2: Yeah, you know, I think the ultimately the hope, Dino, is to become the exclusive negotiator for the long-term lease at Remax Field. Uh, we've we've said that from the get-go. I'm kind of switching hats here, switching gears into the the front office role I have with the Edmonton prospects as AGM. Yep. Yeah. Um, th- there's no secret there. Uh, we we've you know built our whole year this year, and and you know before I got here last year, this was all part of the plan, but. You know, my first year was last year. We really started focusing on, on continuing to grow this product, the brand, connecting with more people in the city, fans, kids. Um, I think we've done a good job of that. Uh, uh, I can only speak for the two years that I've been with the franchise. But the last two years, I think we've done a really good job of, of outreach and and doing things we haven't done before and and reaching out to new people. New people and new markets and and new corporates and all the all that stuff that you you need to do i think we've done that i think we've put a good product on the field too um i see it in the kids that come to our games the connection they have with our players Um, i'm proud of my guys for that Uh, not everybody is good at that i think we have a special group of guys that really embrace that role as being baseball ambassadors in the city i think the fans have had fun watching us play uh, Dino, we led the league in stolen bases by quite a large margin. So awesome. Uh, I love that dude. I absolutely love that. Um, we had guys play hard all season at home. We've had some unbelievable events and moments just like this past weekend, Tanner around. He had a catch this weekend in the sixth of seventh game that might be the catch of the year. Uh, you know, we've had. Unbel- in center field? No, he's playing, he playing left field. He's playing okay. left field. It was like a Jim Edmonds over his head. Nice. Unbelievable play. Um, I think we've, we've created moments, uh, lasting moments, uh, for people to enjoy there we did autographs yesterday, Dino, and there was a couple people that were at their first game awesome. and they came up and said, hi, shook our hands, said, we will definitely be back. That was an awesome, awesome show. Thank you guys. Um, so having said that, um, there's a meeting on August 15th, uh, to discuss our proposal, the city and, and our management group will will sit down, I guess, and suss out everything and kind of see if we're on the same page. Um, we look forward to that opportunity. We've been ready for this opportunity for quite some time. Uh, we feel like we have a great plan and a great proposal to work with the city, to improve Remax field, uh, you like off the field, uh, what we can do with the, with the venue, it's a city facility, what we can do with the city to improve the fan experience. Improve the ability to do more, maybe non-baseball events, which we had an awesome concert here this summer with Upfest. Um, we just see so much more uh, growth potential from us as the the, the leaseholder that we can continue to improve that uh, everything that happens down at Remax Field. Now we 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 do know that there the city's gone through this process as part of. Um, how they, their policy states, it's a city facility. There's a potential lease of over five years. It needs to go out to public tender, uh, which has happened. Uh, we, we do know there's another group to, to us. It's a mystery. We, we've, we haven't heard anything about this. Why group. are they being so secretive about that? I don't, I don't know. Dino. I, 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 I'm not, I'm, I can't answer that. I don't, that's really interesting. I don't have, we don't have any information, uh, so. You know, we're concerned obviously you know we've worked really hard to to build this brand um not just this year or the last two years but for a while now before I joined the franchise you know, we have we have people that have been with the franchise for a long time that worked their butts off uh to to can improve this uh the the lot of life down at Remax Field and, and you know I think they did a great job before I got here and they continue to do a great job and and you know I'm just Part of the, the 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 puzzle. I'm just a piece in in the wheel that is trying to continue to grow this game at Remax Field, and I, I think we've been successful to date. So yeah, it's frustrating to know that there's another group that we don't know anything about. We don't know what their ideas are. um You know, personally for me, like the you know that we can talk and conjecture and, and kick ideas around. Like who wouldn't want Triple A baseball back, and that includes myself. I that love ship it. has sailed. I love I love for it to happen. I, I know it's not coming back. The league,
1: the league doesn't want it back.
2: They're not. They don't want one Canadian city. No. Um, and so, we start going down the lot, like double A. Well, double A happens in southern U.S. That's not happening. Well, let's talk about A ball. Okay. Well, we there, there's five or six guys in this league that'll play in A ball. Um, a ball isn't very close to this area. And so then let's go down a level. Let's talk rookie ball development league. A ball. You might see a big leaguer w- once every couple of years, um, like a, an actual big league player at that level. Uh, and now you're, you're looking at traveling in the border and a group of players that aren't going to connect with the fans the way we do, that aren't going to spend the time in the community. So f- for me, this model of, of summer collegiate baseball is where it's at. Uh, it's, it's successful in Western Canada, where we've had pro baseball not be successful here in this community in the past. Um, the WCBL is successful here as it is, as it is in multiple markets in Alberta. Uh, the call collegiate baseball model works all over North America, the Northwoods league, the West coast league, the Cape Cod league, the Alaska league. This is where the grassroots and what baseball actually matters to communities is taking hold is that you get college players in here that are, that are great young men that understand their ability and responsibility to grow the sport in a, in a community that they're a stranger in and they embrace this. Uh, so that alone brings value to the city of Edmonton, let alone the fact that we have kids that, um, you know, have, have never played the game coming up at the age four or five and, and yeah, I want to play baseball next year, you know, in a kid voice and, and kids that come to camp, they catch foul balls in the stands that come down get them autographed and say, thanks guys. You know like that's what this is about and and the fact that edmonton produces some high level baseball players we don't have them all they're kind of scattered through the league uh, because of other relationships that that some of the players that that have with other teams and programs um that's improved since this team has been at remax field the level of the grassroots baseball and, and the vision of kids and the goals that they have that they could play in this ballpark that's come back uh, that wasn't here when the, when the independent league team was here, and and I know that because I was around. Uh, there wasn't that connection. Um, so in, in my mind, it's just a great fit. You know, we're we're not done growing. Uh, we're looking forward to the meeting with the city. You know, hopefully at some point we can find out. You know what we're up against. That would be great.
1: Okay, before we get to uh, this day in baseball history, uh, let's quickly talk about uh, Major League Baseball. We're going to talk more about it uh, in in a little bit with fantasy baseball and a few other things. But post-trade deadline, at least one of them in baseball, it's very confusing um, how guys get traded after the deadline. Uh, we, we that's
2: hope... no longer, though.
1: No, actually, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah that that, a... that yeah. is done. So I'm glad the confusion uh, will, like will, be, will be lifted. I thought it was really weird, but... Uh, quickly, World Series favorites post trade deadline um, for the National League. Mine's not going to change. It's still the Dodgers. The uh, Dodgers. Uh, I don't. Do you see any? Um, you know who
2: who's a threat to the Dodgers in the National League? I like the Braves. I like the Braves, man. They're that pitching staff, young, deep. Yeah, they got Dallas Keuchel now, so he's got, they've got, they've so, got some got They've got they've got some winning people in that clubhouse. Some okay. some really grinder type guys. They've got talent. You need to be able to hit home runs. They've got some guys that can drive the ball to the ballpark. Uh, they've got they've got some arms in the bullpen. They went out and shopped at the deadline. They added what they needed in their bullpen. The Braves are just this franchise that just knows how to win it, innately inside that clubhouse and franchise. They know how to win. I like the Braves. I'll take the Dodgers. Um, I love the I love the Braves though, dude. I, I really liked what they. I love I love that franchise. Uh, Dodgers are so good.
1: 75 wins. Unbelievable. It's like ridiculous. they're so
2: deep. They're, they're and they're still bringing guys up from the minor leagues that are studs. Like Will Smith.
1: Like, like Will Smith is coming out of uh, these he's the, the, the in Fresh black. Prince of Bel-Air yeah. here. Totally. Um uh, in the in the in the American League, the Yankees are the only team that um is r- rivals the the Dodgers for winning percentage at uh, both at 652. Uh they've got a, a giant league lead. Um but I'm going with the Houston Astros. What do you
2: think for the American League? That pitching staff's tough to overlook, dude, with uh, Cole, Verlander, Granke. Like, Sanchez is good. I think those three are in a class above Sanchez. But, you know, to have a guy like Sanchez be a swing guy out of the pen or, totally. or your fourth guy, that's a pretty good luxury to have. Um, I'm a huge Cole and Verlander guy, and I really like Granke, frankly. And and if they get to the World Series, Granke can swing it. He, he's good with the bat too. So if they ever get into the National League, that game three start, they're not like, yeah, he's not a, a four-hole DH, but he's not a pushover with the bat either. No. So
1: he, he There was a great interview uh, that he gave the other day. I can't remember. One of his teammates was asking him about like the funniest strikeout. And so Granke started kind of laughing and uh, then had a really big belly laugh. And he said, oh, there was a guy through a really uh change up in the other batter's box and he almost fell over swinging and the guy's like was that me he's like yeah that was you man <laughs> like it's just an ultimate burn on his uh, his teammate too so um so I like, the humor is good for the club it uh, yankees astros if you had to pick one
2: i ha- I have to go with the astros because they're pitching staff the yankees are so good you know but I, they didn't make that move i don't think they made the move they needed no, they've got guys coming back. Severino might be back. What kind of shape will he be in?
1: is he's he's banged he's, up right now.
2: They've got some guys banged up, no doubt. And and like their their farm system's legit too. Like Andujar's been out all year. He's second in rookie of the year last year. Glaber Torres is super young. Um, Lemay Hughes, a batting champion. They've got power all over the place. Um, they do have some arms coming back, but I think they needed uh, they needed one more starter and they didn't get it, so I'd put my money on the Astros.
1: Okay, uh, we'll get more into Major League Baseball right now. Let's go into a little history class. And uh, we're doing starting pitchers a little bit later on in our all-time team, so I thought this was fitting. Uh, going back to uh, 1890. There we go. The golden years. <laughs> Cy Young made his Major League debut on this day. 1890. In 1890. Uh, and they won 8-1. 22 years he pitched 20 uh he would average more than 23 victories a season on route to 511 uh and then the award is named after him so it's oh, got man. a little bit of street cred <laughs> uh, 1941 Al Benton becomes the first major leaguer to have two sacrifice bunts in one inning this guy could play on your team oh i love him um two in one inning he uh, accomplished the feat in the top of the 3rd a frame that featured 17 batters coming to bat in an 11-2 route of the Indians at Cleveland's League Park.
2: At some point, you're probably like, Coach, maybe you can let me swing it here.
1: (laughs) Can I swing it? We're going to win this game by (laughs) nine. 1952, at the approximate, because they weren't exactly sure, age of 46, Satchel Paige becomes the oldest pitcher in Major League history to hurl a complete game shutout. One nothing. So good. Uh, the Browns hurler extended his own record at the age of 46 and 75 days by throwing another scoreless complete mm-hmm. game against the White Sox in the next month. And I look at guys like Satchel Page the same way I looked at Vladislav Treczak and think what would have been if they could have played in their prime in major league baseball or the NHL. Like, you know, we had those Europeans, um, and, and they, unfortunately these guys had to play in a different league. Um, you know what? The, what the? What would the records look like if guys in their prime would have been allowed to play in Major League Baseball? Eh?
2: Well, I think, I, dude, unreal. Like I think there there is a universal respect for Satchel Paige, Josh Gibson. Of like, how good would they have been? But how cool would it have been to see what their numbers really were? Because yeah. I mean, they, people talk about Satchel Paige being the best ever and Josh Gibson being the best power hitter ever. And they never got that opportunity. Yeah, It would have been the
1: record books would look totally different. I agree. Uh, how about this one, 1969 in an alley behind a Detroit bar Yeah. twins manager, Billy Martin intervenes in a scuffle between his starting pitcher, Dave Boswell and outfielder, Bob Allison resulting in the pitcher, the right-hander being knocked unconscious and in need of 20 stitches after being pummeled by his manager billy barton uh he would miss a bunch of starts uh but the guy he still finished 20 and 12 that year so the manager breaks up a fight and beats up his pitcher i, I take it that didn't happen for you this year
2: that's old school no, right scuffles. Yeah, yeah, no we're, team scuffles we're in the new school now we, we're we not allowed to do that anymore Wow. but like
1: even a <laughs> team, t two guys fighting on the team like listen it sometimes happened yep. uh the, so guys don't like teammates, but they win with them, yep. uh, right? Like, like the Oakland
2: A's had that uh, going on back in the day there. They in the had, 80s? Yeah. When they re- ripped off those three World Series, there's yeah. there some guys that didn't get along, but they played well together. You have to. Hey, uh,
1: Serrano and uh, what was the pitcher's name? Uh, in Harris, the Harris. bullpen they, guy, they, right? They, they came together, right?
2: <laughs> they had to be yeah. there. Joe Boo brought them Joe together. Joe Boo brought them together. Yep. Uh, Heads up, bartender needs a no refill.
1: Uh, The wild thing and Roger uh, Thorn Dorn ma- Dorn yeah. maybe did not get along so well after uh, well the incident, wife. Yeah. Yeah. the incident there was
2: the incident there and um, uh, yeah. Dorn came sp- to see him on the mound and strike you know, this Yeah you know, get this guy out. they won they did. punched they him in the face done. and then yeah. pulled him up like that's that's good Canadian lad type stuff that's right, right it, there
1: yeah. 1972 second game of the Midland Cubs and Amarillo Giants minor league doubleheader postponed do you know why take a guess of why.
2: Crickets, grasshoppers, grasshoppers,
1: thousands of grasshoppers appearing everywhere at <laughs> Christensen stadium, the cluster of insects swarmed from their nest behind the center field wall after the ballparks lights were turned on oh. and it made it impossible for the infielders, uh, to see through their outfielders, to, to be through, see through the hordes of, uh, invaders. <laughs> that would
2: be gross. So gross. Uh, we'll also in as quick as possible.
1: Also, in 1972 Hank Aaron is 660th and 661st home runs That's breaks Babe Ruth's record for the most home runs with one team. Mm. Uh his uh second home run of the day, uh a 10th inning blast was the game winner. Uh and this is kind of you know, we talk about uh Baseball, there being a higher power. We talked about that with the um, uh, the uh, Tanner, tribute game yeah. uh, in Anaheim. Oh. Uh, we talked about that with Tanner Roundy and uh, losing his friend in the Las Vegas shooting and things. So in 1979, after delivering the eulogy at Thurman Munzer's funeral in Ohio, Bobby Mercer, a teammate and close friend of the deceased Yankee catcher, drives in all the runs in the Yankees 5-4 comeback victory over the Orioles at Yankee Stadium. The uh, outfielder with a bat he will never use again hits a three-run home run and wins the game with a two-run single in the ninth. Higher power, dude. Yeah, got his boy helping him out. You know, remember Brett Favre had one of his greatest games on the day his dad died, right? Crazy Monday Night Football, Uh, 1988. Goose Gossage becomes the second player in Major League history to record 300 saves. And uh, joins Roly Fingers, uh, who reached the milestone in 82. Saves didn't become a stat until 1969. So who knows, right? It's another one of those who knows questions of who would have the all time record. Uh, also in 88, I love this stat. Jose Canseco becomes the 11th player in history to hit 30 and 30 or 30 home runs and steal 30 bases. That's the perfect player right there.
2: I think he went 40-40 in 89. He's yeah, the first right. guy to yeah, go 40-40. Yeah.
1: But that's the perfect player. If you could hit 30 and steal 30, oh, my goodness, that's awesome. Uh, Tony Gwynn in 93 raised his average to 348, collects his 2,000th hit, uh, a single off uh, Bruce Ruffin, and then six years later, would, on the same day, would get his 3,000th hit. Mr. Padre. Six years later, yeah. He put my... That's pretty impressive. He just a flat-out hit. He was awesome. And then this is interesting. We talked about Goose Gossage in 1988 becoming the second guy to get 300 saves. 2002 on this day, Rob Nen becomes the 16th major leaguer to get uh, 300 saves. So um, obviously in uh, from 88 to 2000, uh, guys were a became lot of workhorses yeah. and stuff like that. And it, beca- it became exactly uh, more of a uh, defined role.
0: Tell us your best baseball story and you could be watching a prospects game from a suite and taking batting practice before the game.
1: All right. So we don't have the the contest going anymore because that just happened uh, over the weekend, but we're still going to do baseball memories because it's uh, a lot of fun and, and everybody had a really good time in the suite and the, uh, Clubhouse tour, uh, was a lot of fun and, uh, I think fun for your players as well to yep. uh, see some uh, kids
3: and yeah, some fans
1: and stuff. So we had a lot of fun, but we'll still do baseball memories. Um, mine is going to be a simple one. Uh, my first job at broadcasting 1997 CKX TV in Brandon, my hometown. I was really excited. I got to cover the weekings. Um, but I also got to cover baseball in the summertime. And so I grew up watching the Manitoba senior baseball league. Um, it was the Brandon Cloverleafs were the team. Nipo had a team, all these small towns. And me and my dad used to go to these games in, at West Brand stadium, which is now, uh, Andrews field and uh, named after a manager in the MSBL, the Manitoba senior baseball league. So we used to go to games as a kid. And then when I got into broadcasting, I never even thought about the summer start. All I thought about was, oh, I get to go to weekend games all the time now. And then the summer came around, I'm like, oh, I get to go to these, ba-. so. I don't know why they let us do this, but we would go for an entire day. We would drive out to like Bertle, or Nipah, some of these small towns, park in the outfield. My camera guy or girl would do the uh, highlights. I would sit there on the hood of the car, eating spits all day, keeping score and marking out highlights. Then we would bring them back and do a story or something. I'm like, it was like, and then, so the, here's the thing, the higher you went in broadcasting, the less you actually got to go and stay for the whole game. Like when we got to like Edmonton stuff it's like, yeah, we're going for a period. And then, you know, we'd come to your games or the, 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 um, capitals or what, whatever in team was playing and stay for a couple of innings. They do it now the same thing. You come and you nope. just hope you get enough highlights that you can get out. But back in that day, I got to sit there all day long and watch games. We would drive out to small towns and then the playoffs would be in Brandon a lot at the stadium. So I'm like, wow, this is awesome. So that, that's a, that's a great baseball memory for me because that's how I learned to keep score in baseball, that Stratomatic baseball, but we would sit there and just in the sun have drinks, you know, I'm not going to lie. Some of the days I was hung over cause they were Saturday after or Sunday yeah. afternoon games. So <laughs> Saturday night was a bit rough, but it was a good cure for the hangover sitting out in the sun, eating spits, yeah. watching at, at what that time was really good baseball. Uh, I don't know if senior baseball is as good as it used to be, but in that late nineties, senior baseball was still a big, big deal in, uh, in the Brandon area.
2: Yeah. That's cool. Dino. you know, it used to be a little bit bigger deal. Um, like the back in the day, you'd get fans out to senior baseball and and you, you you know, when, when you were capable of playing, like you really committed to a team for the summer, it was, Mm -hmm. it was really cool. Um, Alberta was the same way. I think it was probably a little bit more competitive back in the day. There's still really good players playing it. I just think there were more guys that were willing to play, you know, 10, 15 years ago than there are today. Um, For my baseball memory, I've got, uh, I got a funny story. Uh, I got to play three games of pro baseball. I actually played them at Telus field, which is Remax field. Now I played for the Schaumburg flyers. I got picked up and signed uh, to play against the Capitals. Um, or maybe I was a cracker cats at the time. So I played against the cracker cats in Edmonton, um, you know, they like, come into the clubhouse, uh, you know, I had to sign a bunch of things and then, okay, great. You know, we get to play as a dream come true. So it was cool. But, uh, you know, my jersey didn't fit. It was a bit small. Like the undershirt they gave me was too big. So, you know, like nothing was nothing was right, you know. Um, it's kind of funny. So, you yeah, know, we get the pregame. I had a great day A pregame. Like it felt awesome going into the game. Okay, great. You know, like looking forward, like a little bit nervous and, and looking forward to my first at bat. This is going to be cool um so the situation was the the i'm i'm in the hole the bases are loaded Um, i think there's one out i'm looking but in the helmet rack you know i've got my own bat i don't have my own helmet like there's team helmets like i mean what what if i have my own helmet but it's the wrong color like it's professional baseball right they have helmets so i'm looking in the helmet and I, I don't see any helmets um, they all had the right flap. So I'm a lefty hitter. So I need my, the right flap on the helmet or the double flap. Well, they only had right-handed hitter helmets. I'm looking through here. I'm like, you know, uh-oh, you know, so I asked, I'm in the, I'm in the hole. So I asked the trainer, I'm like, Hey, you know, John, I can't remember his name. Hey John, uh, are there any more lefty helmets or double flap helmets? Like I, I, I'm going to need one here pretty quick. So he goes into the clubhouse. He's looking, it's on the first base side at Remax. He's com- coming through like, so I'm. Now I'm on deck. There's an out- and he hasn't come back. I'm like, what am I going to do? So I go on deck without anything.
1: Cause you're in the visitor side. Yeah. On the visitor side.
2: So trainer guy comes back. He's like, we don't have one. And I'm like, how's that possible? I'm on deck for my first pro at bat. Kind of like we'd like to have some success here. I don't Did you Larry helmet.
1: Walker and turn it around.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to prepare for my first at bat. And now I have to figure out what kind of helmet I'm going to wear. And there's no way I was going to wear the wrong flap. Like that would be dumb looking. Uh, so I go, I like, so I bust down the steps into the dugout while the the bats happening. I can't even prepare for my first at bat. You're on deck now. I'm on deck. So I look down, I see the catcher's gear there. He's got a scully. So I grab his scully, Dave Winfield style, put the scully on, on deck. I'm up right now. Like this happened. I'm walking to the plate. The catcher for the cracker cats is like in his crouch laughing. The umpire looks at, and they've got their helmets on. So you can't tell this is going on. The umpire looks at me. They're both laughing at me. I'm like, Hey, what's, <laughs> what's so funny here? They're like, Hey, nice helmet guy. Um, I'm like, yeah, you know, I it wasn't my plan. I didn't want to do this. You know? So I prepared, do my routine, get ready to go, have my first at bat, you know, hit a ball, like making out innings over. Um, and I've got this catcher Scully on cause the, there's two left-handed hitters on the team. One of them was on first. The other one was on third. They're on base right now. I don't know these guys because I've been here for two hours. I don't really have the the confidence or courage to go ask a veteran on base in pro baseball. Can we switch helmets? Didn't know what to do. So I'm like, I'll go up with the scully. So I make the third out, whatever. I go back, get my glove, go play defense. I'm at third base. Third base umpire comes up to me. He's like, you're not going to do that again, are you? I'm like, no, sir. No, that wasn't my plan initially. They're like, okay, good, because you're not allowed to do that. Like, yeah, you know, yes, sir, yes, sir. You're not allowed to do that. No, like they they, they outlawed outlawed that helmet to hit a oh, while okay, ago. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. So
1: just it's not safe. That's why. it's not yeah, safe.
2: Yeah. yeah. So my first pro at bat, I was, uh, you know, Dave Winfield or Pat Porter's with the Scully and not an actual helmet.
1: Oh, that <laughs> so kind is, of funny story. Uh, that's that's good. Uh, first at bat with everybody kind of. Chuckling, uh, at you and, uh, you know, having, having a lot of fun. So anyway, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep going with the baseball memories. Maybe we'll come up with some other kind of contest to, uh, do for that one. But for all the people that submitted their baseball memories, uh, this year, uh, thank you so much. Sorry. We couldn't get everybody out there and thank you for being patient with us. Um, while we were trying to deal with all kinds of rain.
0: Let's get back to the action. This is the Prospects Baseball Show.
1: We are now joined in studio by Edmonton Prospects pitching coach, Austin Guzzo, of course, Jordan Blundell, uh, with me as well. And um, Austin, I guess, uh, congratulations on getting through the weekend. Uh, Jordan and I were talking about what a monster weekend it was Uh, First of all, welcome to the show. Uh, you're from just outside of uh, Toronto. Um, f- tell us how you ended up here with the Edmonton Prospects.
3: Yeah, um, basically, I I was looking to uh, to coach. I was kind of on the fence of whether or not I actually wanted to pursue another season. Um, I have a ton of family here uh, in Sherwood Park. Uh, my brother also moved out here, so uh, when I came out to visit, um, my whole family was pumping up the prospects and telling them I you know I should play and all this. And I'm like I'm banged up. I'm done playing. Like. They're like well, maybe you should coach. So I I thought about it for a couple of weeks and decided to shoot Jordan an email, and I think uh, Jordan hit call just as the email was coming in. It seemed like how quick that that phone call kind of happened. Now I'm just kind of kidding there, but it did <laughs> seem pretty quick. I was expecting. Yeah, it was quick. I was I was waiting for you know, maybe a couple weeks at least, but it was it was pretty quick. Uh, then we just got to chatting. Um, I think it was probably what March. I think you, ish that hey, you. I thought it was even me. earlier, like January. Could've, yeah, I it think. Was pretty early. Because I, I was going to come in as a volunteer. Yeah. Um, and then I think it was, and then you, I think something happened to the other guy. That was yeah. already in my spot there, and then you, you asked me if I wanted the job. So yeah. I remember that. It was right early. around, actually, when
1: we met for lunch. Um, just a little bit after that, uh, when we started, uh, you know, the the genesis for this show, and you were telling me about how you, you had just uh, brought on a, a new pitching coach. So how how does, is that is that how a lot of this works, Um I I always thought it was, you're the coach and you're going to hire the guys, you know, Um, it's a little different when you're bringing in a guy that you don't know a lot about.
2: Yeah, for sure. Do you know, uh, the, like the process for, uh, I like how Austin uh, like pumped my tires there with the recruiting, <laughs> got in the email, like I got a call right away, yeah. just uh <laughs> upper level recruiter here. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it, but that there is some truth to that. Um, I, I take pride in trying to do as good a job as I can with that. That is what this is all about is recruiting. Um, you know, getting to know people, making the call. Uh, I'm not the best at that. You know, I think, I think there's probably times where I could do a better job, but they're like following up and making those calls is what this requires. Um, you know, and then that's from the blue Jays level down to, to our league, you got to make the calls and meet people, uh, discuss things, kick ideas, and then flush out, flush out opportunities and boom, bang, something happens. So. Yeah, When I got uh, Austin's email, I was was interested and and intrigued, uh, appreciative of the the email; It was well written and that's, you know, past the eye test, right? So I made the call. We started talking. um, I felt like there was an instant connection there. I really appreciated how mature Austin was uh, and knowing his age. uh, Surprising is not the right word, but he's young. He's a young coach, uh, but mature over the phone beyond his years, in my opinion. Um, So that was a check mark for me to like, all right, well, let's, let's see what happens here. Let's keep talking. Um, Really like-minded. We talked about a lot of the same things that we uh, enjoy about the game that we expect out of, you know, our players and expect out of teams we're with, you know, how we approach things. So that's good. And not that I was trying to hire people that are like me, because Austin's a different person, different coach, different mentality for sure. Uh, but there are some similarities, and, and I think that's important that we share some some common goals, uh, which were you know to make the playoffs and do well and try and win a championship. And, and Austin was all about that too. So you know we talked a couple of times. Uh, the, the 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 head pitching coach job opened up. You know Austin had indicated that he was potentially coming out here uh, for school and family and whatnot. So okay, like, okay, that'll be a good fit. Like let's bring this person on. So we kept talking, and that was the plan. And then uh, the person that I had hired in the fall backed out. Um, and, and so I thought it like, this is a natural fit, you know, frankly, you know, to, to be honest with you, I wanted Austin to be the main guy after we had met anyway. And then the other guy walked away. I was like, Hey, the perfect timing. So I, so I didn't have to pull the trigger on him because I just felt like Austin was going to do a better job. Um, and, and, and it worked out, you know, we were able to get Austin out here and, um, yeah, Austin's been my right hand man all year. He's done a great job for us. Uh, you know, we have discussions, uh, strategy. You know, what what do you think about this? And and I, I feel like it's been really smooth, which is you know not always the case on a pitching staff or uh, on a coaching staff. When you know uh, I'm stubborn at times for sure, and and Austin's strong-willed as well. But I think we really work well together, um, and Austin's brought a lot to the table for the guys. He's not that much older than most of the players, uh, but he's brought some experience. Like I said, there's a maturity there, and I think the guys really respect him.
1: All right, let's chat about how you got here then, uh, grew up just outside of, uh, Toronto. Obviously, yep. uh, uh, we, we talked before we got on the air, Leafs fan, I imagine Blue Jays fan, uh, as well. Um, tell us about, uh, growing up, uh, we, we talked to a lot of the players that come on this show and a lot of them Americans about their little league experience and, um, you know, aiming for the, the little league world series and that, what was baseball just outside of, uh, Toronto like growing up?
3: Uh, I guess it was, it was pretty similar, um. Then here, I imagine doing like the camps and seeing how like the the kids are growing up here and um, playing with this like playing the sport and all that. Um, <clears throat> for me, it was pretty cool um, right away. My dad uh, threw me. Um, I'm a January first baby, so my dad threw me in a, with the year older kids. Oh, good. Uh, so he got he got that approved, um, and that definitely actually like pushed me because I always felt like I had something to prove or something just to push a little bit more with um, to to keep my work ethic up and stuff like that. I would say the atmosphere was definitely uh, it was hot summers. Like the suns beating down, like Humid, a lot, a right? lot of humidity, a lot of humidity. <laughs> definitely a lot of Sunday, uh, Sunday championships where you're just drenched and waiting for that chocolate milk and chocolate chip <laughs> muffin in the car ride home no from kidding. Tim's. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, for me. It was it was definitely cool. Um, the team I was on, uh, I think, I think I don't know if we have an Ontario record, um, but we're definitely pretty close. Uh, the string of years that I was there, we went to six. I think it was six or five in a row, provincial championships. Wow. And we won four in a row. We lost the first one, then won four in a row. And I got the plaque at home somewhere. I think the team was like 255 and like 30 something losses in those four years. Yeah. So I got a a ring at home that doesn't fit anymore. Can't even get on my pinky. They Uh, literally made rings. How old were you? I was, I think I would have been probably 11 or 12 when I got that ring. That's impressive playing yeah. for eleven year old. Yeah, I know, right? I know. <laughs> yeah. we that around school a little bit. You know, yeah. but, uh, wear it on you should, off.
1: you should wear that on a chain yeah. around the yeah. dressing room uh, with yeah. the uh, the prospects yeah. and just be uh, like uh, show off <clears throat> your glitter.
3: Yeah, yeah. The ladies the ladies loved it too, yeah, especially exactly. seventh grade there. it was, it was pretty cool. No, no I'm saying but but yeah, uh yeah, it was it was cool. Um, you know, baseball in Ontario, it's one of those things too where it's it's such a high population and there's so many kids trying to trying to get to the top two and um you know, for me, uh, after that, I, after that, I went back down to my own age, uh, and continued to play. Um, and that was really where it kind of was like either going to be keep playing or go to high school and be a regular kid. Um, you know, I, I was one of those kids that sat on the bench a lot. Um, but I knew what I wanted to do and knew what my, my dream and my goal was. And, you know, that was to play professional baseball. And, you know, unfortunately I didn't get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know landing at Iowa was definitely a dream come true in itself and, and just being able to graduate there and play four years of baseball um, with such a great program and great coaches and just great people and atmosphere is, like people ask me like you know what would you would you go back I'm like I'd, I'd skip a million dollar check and go back there I'd cash a check for a million dollars to do those four years again so that's kind of kind of where that's at for me uh, that's
1: impressive so when, when you get an email from him, Jordan, and you see what school he goes to and do you, do, do you reach out to anybody or, you know, is, it's a pretty well-respected uh, college that he attended, so you know probably the guys coming out of there or what they're going to be like?
2: Yeah, exactly. There's uh, a prestige element for, for that program. Um, you know, they're, they're not the number one in the nation, but, but they're, they, they are first class. Uh, they, they have chances to win big games and go to the biggest games um, every year at Iowa. Um, and, and, you know, there's a pedigree there. So, you know, innately there's something that you need to be able to do well, to be there for four years and and to be a Canadian that's there for four years is, is Mm -hmm. special. Uh, so, you know, just looking up Austin's numbers, you know, he played and and was able to accomplish some things and was part of what their culture is. You you can just, I know that being a a baseball person with someone that spent four years at a program. A lot, a lot of times, four-year programs bring in transfers. So the fact that you're there for four years, played all four years, contributed, like di- did a bunch of things, that means something. So you're you're going to be a leader that's looked upon heavily in your last two years, your junior senior year, um, and that's just from my experience, you know, having done it myself and and being around the college game for the last twenty years, you know, witnessing what that means. Uh, so I didn't do a lot of homework outside of that. Um, the homework was done and and really did. Discussing ideas with Austin, um, you know, chit chat and strategy, talking baseball, talking shop, uh, which were really it was enjoyable. It was a really enjoyable process, so uh, it made it easy. It made it easy to to you know offer Austin the job. Um, really glad that he accepted and, and spent the summer with us. It's in in layman's terms a grind, um, but it's you know I don't think it's that much of a grind for us because we love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a long season in a short time frame, um, and and you have to you have to find ways to get along, and that that hasn't been an issue um, on our coaching staff. It's not hard to get along. Like we're friends outside of being professional. We also are, have a friendship too, so that makes it great. Um, and it's been it's been a fun ride.
1: So let's talk about you. Uh, you you grew up playing baseball, and you go to Iowa. You're now the pitching coach. Uh, when did you decide that uh, pitching was your thing?
3: Um, I think it was. At- I think it was like last year. Uh, I was looking for coaching jobs, looking to get that first year under my belt. Um, but a lot of coaching job descriptions have required one year coaching experience. But I don't really get that concerning how how are players supposed to get coaching experience if you need one year of coaching experience? Right. <laughs> so I was a little thrown off by <laughs> perpetual all of, loop. Yeah, exactly. So I was a little thrown off by that. So the the team that I played for, um, my freshman going to sophomore year summer it would have, that would have been fifteen. Uh, The North Fork Ospreys in Long Island, New York. Um, I knew the coach had a good relationship with the coach there. And I, you know, I sent out an email to the general manager there that I knew as well. Um, And he called me and he's like, you know, we have the pitching coach opportunity out. I know you're a catcher. Uh, Do you want the pitching coach job? And realistically the pitching coach job in summer ball is more like just the assistant, but more role on that. Like the head coach, like Jordan will take more of the players and I'll take more of the staff just Mm -hmm. so we don't have to have a, bundle of players and going in and out um but for me i've done a lot of catching coaching i've done a lot of hitting i've done a lot of pretty much everything infield corner you know corner bags all that kind of stuff i figured it'd be a good opportunity to learn the pitching side of it and learn how to manage a staff and um it was definitely interesting for me and where like pitchers are at and being a catcher at iowa you know i was I was the guy that would, you know, be staying late to catch pens and help guys out that maybe were struggling, maybe trying to find mechanical things and learning just based on visuals Mm -hmm. and trying to help them with cues, you know, just saying the classic coaching lines, you know, hey, stay out front on that, hey, back hip, hey, you know, down the mound, all that kind of stuff, but you can actually see that with so many reps of guys and like, you know, where they're missing up and all that, so I was pretty interested in it, Um, and it was pretty pretty funny because I was only 20, obviously 22 at the time, still, you know, not like I'm 30 now, but Mm -hmm um i had guys that were older than me on my staff uh that were 95s I'm a 96 so that was funny too uh and yeah i just i just kind of gelled with them made sure they had good culture and that they were you know pitching as a staff together and not just looking at individual numbers and kind of you know next guy up kind of mentality hey i don't have a good outing but i know the guy behind me is going to pick me up um and that was big for me too and just kind of instilling that right away and you know it's been fun and that's why i wanted to do it again i i had a lot of fun just doing strictly pitchers and then helping out with the offense on the other side. And I think that's the the biggest part of it is just more or less, it doesn't, for me, it's not work. And I know for Jordan too, it's not necessarily work when you enjoy what you do, it becomes fun. And just, you know, that's your job. Um, And that's what it's been so far as a pitching coach. It's been fun and, you know, going out, taking those mound visits, seeing guys get all hyped up and trying to calm them down. Um, You know, maybe crack a joke or maybe teach a little strategy to the right guys. I think that's half the battle too. Some guys will have a little bit of a smirk when I come out to the mound um, knowing that, you know, Hey, it's okay. Like just, you can relax. Like, I'm not going to come out here and chew you out. Um, you know, I think guys appreciate that too. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been fun. So it's, is that unconventional
1: to have a, a guy who hasn't pitched before your pitching coach? And, and if you're going to go that route, I think a guy who has been a catcher would be a, a pretty good choice because catchers have to manage the pitchers. All the time. So yeah. is that, uh, unconventional? Was that something you were, were concerned about or?
2: Yeah, you, you could, you could describe it as unconventional that, that Austin wasn't a college pitcher. Um, I've caught and pitched at the college level. Um, I, I know like just speaking with Austin through the process of getting him out here, I wasn't concerned. Um, you know, he has a right game plan, right. Ideas has handled our pitching stuff really well. But the other thing to this is, is Austin's just not a pitching guy. Um, he brings a lot of other things to the table. Um, and we overlap in certain areas. Like Austin's helped a ton of the, the catchers, uh, the, the catching stuff that we need to do, the corner yeah. infielders, talk to the outfielders. So there's been an overlap. I've dealt with some of the pitching. Um, but Austin's handled the staff and I've been able to work with some guys and help them get better and make adjustments. And you do get that vantage point being a catcher for as long as austin Totally. Been, like 100%. So his ability to recognize um, things from the catcher's perspective is sometimes just as good as you know a pitcher to a pitcher. Because Austin's the one that has caught all these pitches. This is how it's moving. When you release here, this is what your result is. So there's the ability to give that feedback to a pitcher from a guy that's caught a bunch of guys and caught a bunch of good guys. So I think that early on there was a trust built with our pitching staff that Austin was going to be able to help them. And I think that's important that the pitchers feel like that guy that's going to be with them the most this summer can bring something to the table. I think early on Austin established that that was going to be the case. I knew that that was going to be the case. That's why we brought him out here. Um, and it's just been really smooth. And, and like I said, you know, there's been times Austin's worked with you know the corner infielders before we get to BP, uh, and we've seen that. Um we've seen that work come into play in games where we've made better decisions and we've made plays uh, that we've worked on, which is always great that you, what you did at practice actually turned out to help you in the game. <laughs> so it's been really cool. I think uh, for the future, Austin's Austin's ability to coach all facets of the game would, would, would put him in a position to to run a team, you know, be a, be a head coach or run a franchise or or even at the youth level, run a good youth program. Because he's versatile. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, let's talk about Saturday, okay. um, especially as, as a pitching coach <laughs> and, and a head coach. Um, first of all, you start at noon in the second inning. So you have to go seven more. Yep. And how big was it that you could rely on Tanner Roundy to get you the complete? I thought that was huge on Saturday to not have to dip into your bullpen in that first
3: game. What, what about you? What did you think? Yeah, that, that was definitely a big time. I think that, uh, yeah, Tanner definitely stepped up for us. Um, you know, they weren't easy games. Like Yorkton grinds, like like I was saying earlier. like They deserve an award for the summer they've had. Uh, you know, it's like a, almost like a championship award for grinders, like fourth line right there. Uh, but having Tanner, like, come out and just, like, you know, just shove and get innings um, under his belt and just, like, take our staff out of it, I think that actually probably fired up our bullpen more than anything, knowing that they didn't have to be out there, you know, touch the mound three times that day and maybe throw – 20 pitches and then sit down then get back up and then come back again um and having that i think gave them a lot of energy and and, and you know fired them up and i think we saw it down the stretch like even zach coming out and you know what do you have five or six scoreless yeah i think until, six and two thirds or something in, yeah something six like and a it. third it a six and a third um like even that like just having him come out for that stretch and like you know i told him like hey we're gonna use you we're gonna use you even guys that aren't you know aren't performing well maybe they're still sitting back first thing i say to them when i had about it is like I'm still using you. We're mm-hmm. still going to use you. Flush this out. Get over it. Go get something to eat. Come When you're back here, that didn't happen. It's the next pitch. Mm-hmm. And having that mentality for guys, I think, helps them get over and trying to communicate as much as possible. Hey, we're going to use this in this situation. You know, even telling a starter when he's at 85 pitches, hey, you got the first two righties. We're going lefty matchup on the lefty. Go get those two. Don't be passive. like go don't attack hold those, anything back. Don't hold anything back. Go attack those two guys and let us do our job on the back end. And we've seen that. I think we've seen pretty good success with that. Um, and yeah, so just for Saturday alone, like just to have that and see our guys step up, um, you know, it's not easy to play two teams in the same day. Play you know one team twice and another yeah. team coming in like Brooks That's hit not like easy? no, it's <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not easy. And yeah. Brooks and Brooks hits like they yeah, find they hits do. like they I think I mean, they're pretty good. They're, offensively. they're pretty good offensively. Mm. Um, no,
2: Tanner Tanner doing that uh, ninety nine pitches right. Yeah, yeah, I like, think so.
1: It was His dad was in the uh, the suite with us. Uh, we had our, uh, our winners, and his dad was one of our uh, winners to, to come in the suite with us. So it was interesting watching him watch the game uh, from a dad's perspective with his son on the uh, mound. What was that like? It was interesting. He was uh, sometimes <laughs> in the conversation and sometimes would not hear you at all because yeah. like, he was so focused, which a good That's dad cool. should be. So yeah. it was kind of neat to watch that. But I just thought... Uh, when you get that performance out yeah. of uh, out of that in that first game out of the way, that is so huge. And well, I
2: think that set us up for what happened. Well, because and it, yeah, it, it like guys the- didn't have to come out, and we had Zach available for us for that right. extended amount of time. Is yep.
1: that two o'clock game? The the second game was the interesting one, and as mm. I said to you earlier, <laughs> that was the key, I think, to the yeah. whole run. Yeah. Um, but you know. You really had to manage your pitchers in that game. Like, yeah. tell me about that game particularly, the second of the triple header, um, and and how you had to manage your staff. And you guys came back and won that game.
3: Yeah. Uh, it's
1: delicate, isn't it? When you when you know you have another game later that night. Yeah,
3: yeah, definitely. But it, you get to the. But you point, couldn't afford to lose. Exactly, exactly. That's it, and I. That's why I told the guys to go. Hey, like you know, hey, am I you know am I going to be in the night game? Like, am I, hey, am I going to be in like the two o'clock game? What's going to happen? I'm like, I just said, boys, we're we're, this is playoff baseball, we're do or die, we're all hands on deck right here. And if your name's called, um, I expect you to go out and shove and get us some innings. And it was really to the point where guys, like, I would tell them, like, they'd give me, like, thumbs up, thumbs down. And I was like, I don't want to, if you're thumbs down, you're telling me, and I'm expecting that you're thumbs up if you don't say anything to me. And that's kind of what happened. And just being able to run guys out there and get the outs and, you know, just, just being able to pitch well and knowing, same thing, like, comes down to, like, almost game 50 right there having the next guy up, next guy behind me's got me and all that, like running out of the bullpen and stuff. I, you know, may not pay off game twenty two, but it down the stretch when guys, you know, are, are glued together and guys trust each other, it, it pays off in those huge games. And I, I feel like it did for us definitely. So we got
2: guys pick each other up too. Yep. Like not not everyone dealt. Um and the guys that maybe weren't as successful as they wanted to be have dealt for us this season at times. Um like we're confident in everyone on that pitching staff it's unrealistic to think that every guy, every time, you know, is going to shove like Kershaw or Koufax, you know, that this is not reality. And sometimes the other, you got to tip your cap to the other team. They find ways to, you know, either square balls up or find holes and dump things in Texas league them. And, and you got to make decisions. Like sometimes the, the guy just doesn't have enough to get them out, even though they're not squaring up baseballs, they're falling in. And like, we got to change the momentum. So there's some, some strategy behind, you know, when, Austin and I started talking about like, hey, maybe we should get into the pen. Like, do we have to make a move here? Mm -hmm. You know, even if the guy's dealing and they're finding holes, like, do we have to make a change and stop, stop this game and restart it with another guy who brings different energy?
1: Well, that's what I was going to say. I know you've mentioned in the past, you don't talk a lot to the pitchers, but the communication between you two guys is probably constant during the game. And not just about pitching, but kind of in general, I think it's always good to get it a second opinion if you're not absolutely sure about something. So uh, the communication between you two guys is, is important. Uh, even though you guys are both making visits to
3: the mound in in different ways. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I would say, I would say our communication's, you know, probably way above average. I would say that we're pretty much on the same page with a lot of things. Um, you know, I respect Jordan as a head coach in ways where he, maybe he'll just make a decision and tell me after. And I'm fine with that. Like I, I trust every move that he makes. Um, I think on the same thing, like if he asked me, Hey, who, who, who are you going with? And this is my, this is like, these are my guys that I'm going to go with. I mm-hmm. think, you know, for a few, I'd say a lot of games, he trusts my decision on that and just rolls with it, um, may not pay off every time. I mean, it's not going to be perfect. Like you said, of course. Um, but I would say our communication, I would say almost about everything is, is way above average. I think we're on the same page with a lot of things early. And I think that makes conversation a lot lighter and easier to have, um, yeah, we've had disagreements, um, but I think they've been good disagreements where I think it's better for both of us, honestly. Um, yeah, I'm moving fair. forward and looking at guys. I would well, say you, nobody wants a yes yeah. man, right? Like oh, you, you yeah. need
1: somebody to balance the, the everybody Everybody is going to make a wrong decision. Like show me the guy who's perfect and I, I still won't believe that right. they exist or girl, yeah. oh, right? Although my wife does think she's perfect most of the time. <laughs> and most of the time she is, I should say that. But anyway... You need somebody to balance the chat. There's the, somebody has to be like, it, you know, it was the same in radio. Two guys, uh, uh, agreeing on everything is not the most, uh, exciting. <laughs> That's show. not compelling. Well, no, it's not compelling <laughs> radio, but in, in your situation, you need somebody to say, what about this? Or I know I'm not sure about this and make you think about, and, and you as the coach, you have to be open-minded.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I, I you have feel to surround like I yourself am yourself
1: with better people than yeah, you, right? Yeah,
2: for sure. And I, and I feel like I am open-minded. I don't always go with the decision. Or like the idea out, maybe. for sure. Cause, uh, I know I don't know everything and I know everything I'm deciding isn't always going to be right. So it's actually like knowing that I'm not perfect and going to be hundred percent right, it's like, okay, when should I use my yeah. pitching coach's <laughs> idea? Like whether I like it or not, it's like, yeah, I'm going to go with that one in, instead, but no, like Austin, Austin knows what he's doing. So, you know, whether we agree or not, they like the, it would be the other idea. It's like I got two options. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I was thinking this, well, why are you thinking that then? Uh, yeah, you know what, that makes a lot, let's do that then, you know, and we can talk through it and, and the fact that Austin deals with the pitchers, you know, as the pitching coach, you know, more of an assistant coach, it, it frees me up to do other things like make decisions, think about strategy, work with the offensive guys, talk about things that we need to do defensively and offensively against the other team. We can, Austin and I get to discuss what's our plan here. What happens if this happens? What happens if this happens? A couple scenarios. Then Austin goes and relays that to his pitching staff of like, hey, these are the things that we're working on through this game. This is when you should be thinking to be ready. And I think that's been what's the best part of our communication is that we can relay messages back and forth. And and Austin relays offensive messages to me when we're deciding, you know, when do we want to run? What are we looking for? What is he seeing? What kind of time are they putting down on their, their leg kicks and their slide step? What's the catcher look like? What's his time? Mm-hmm. And I get that info from Austin, and then I can apply that. Um, so it's, it's worked really well, and, and, I, and I think that that's um, helped our pitching staff ultimately is that there, there has been that s- steady and consistent line of communication between the coaching staff and the pitching staff.
1: Who makes the call? on taking a guy out, uh, is it, does it depend? Do you make the call? Do you, do you say to him, I'm going out there? Like, is it, is it situational or? I think the pitcher makes that yeah, call. Yeah. Like we yeah. gotta get yeah. this guy Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, well, yeah, yeah. Ultimately, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. get this guy out of here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <No. laughs> you guys, they're, they're, I'm sure there's times where you're both looking at each other
3: saying, okay, we're well, gonna that do this, looked, but yeah. If
2: that look happens, uh, then I guess we both yeah. have agreed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah,
3: yeah, I would say that, I would say that it's mostly Jordan's call on when to take him out. Yeah. I would say that he asked me, um. I would say probably 99% of the time I would say there's been times like I've been down, like in the bullpen, he just goes and makes a call. And like, I'm Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I would too. Um, but again, the communications there, but I think, uh, something I told my guys like early, I said, look like there's going to be times where you're not going to agree with us, but I'm going to give you every opportunity to succeed. I'm here to make sure that you guys have success even when you're doing bad. So like, for instance, if a guy goes and gets shelled, um, you know, and he, you know, I want to send him back out and he goes too clean and he's only thrown like 30 pitches when we have other guys we can use. I'm just going to leave it at that. So now his last outing is more positive versus negative. Right. Um, I think we've seen that with, I think Zach has been a guy that was like really up and then really down. I think uh, Zach Harrington and he was a guy, especially like yesterday went out and absolutely shoved out of the pen against a good offense. Like Brooks is no joke as an offense. Like they hit, they find ways to get on base. Um, and, you know, I kept telling, him, I was like, man, I'm, I'm letting you go. I'm letting you go. And we had so many other arms we could have used down in the bullpen, um, you know, to make sure that we win the game. And I just like, I was there knowing based on what he did at the early part of the season, had to struggle in the middle a little bit. And then coming back out, I was like, you know, he would ask me, Hey, who are we going to here? I'm like, I'm sending him back out. Like well, for the you, first couple you, you days had a chat with him about yeah. making,
2: making some adjustments with yeah. some of his pitch selection and when he yeah. wanted to throw things. Yeah. And that was the difference yesterday. Yeah, it was his.
3: Yeah, it was his curve. It was his curveball. He's trying to work on getting the curveball, and I think it was really messing up his arm slot and timing. Um, and the pitch really wasn't there. Like it, it was good, but it was like maybe you should throw it like five percent of the time because he does. He has natural cut on his fastball. He so might he have four slider. other pitches that mm, yeah. are
2: more effective and easier for him with experience. So juggling part of his development with now we like we can't spend time developing. Yeah, you know, we got to try and go with your best stuff. And yeah, like it's earth, playoff time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then playoff, like there. Uh, sorry, earlier in the season when we were in Regina, we saw Zach and Wiley yeah. go multiple innings in that yeah. eighteen inning affair. Yeah, like it was five or six innings. Yeah, just like through, 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 through. You know, so we've yeah. seen that before from them.
1: Yeah. All right, let's wrap up with this. uh You mentioned earlier about mound visits, and you know we've seen the movies <laughs> where. Um, they're talking about, uh, sacrificing chickens and, and yeah. what, what are you going to get for the, the wedding gift? I think that was in Boulder Durham where they were talking about the, the way candles like, make a great candle. Gift. Makes- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so is that, you know, I, I don't know if it's always comical, but, uh, it's always interesting probably, yeah. do you know what you know, like when you're going out there, do you're like, yep. okay, this is this picture, I have to go with this way. Uh this is this picture, I can crack a joke. This guy, he's not gonna think it's funny.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the thing too. Like I i made sure I got to know my staff. Like I was telling um I was telling uh it was uh John I was telling John and Pat yesterday outside the, the railing. They're like, How do you you know, you've handled the staff, how do you do it? And I think I was like, Well I, I I try to be like a almost like a dad or like an older brother, and those guys are my kids. Uh, you know, you know which guys you can, you know, you can kind of hit a little bit. You know which guys you got to pick up, and you know which guys are kind of in the middle. So when I'm going going out there, like for instance, my mound visits with Wiley because I had him last year on my staff mm-hmm. too, is, is going to be a lot different than when I go out maybe for you know Jackson Bando or uh, you know Matty Matty Erickson. Um, going to be a lot different. Like I Wiley knows exactly what I expect out of him every time he's on the mound. Um, and I know what he's capable of doing now that I've had him for two years, a little bit different with the other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I try and some, some of those guys will get really jacked up and I got to go out there and kind of calm down, you know, take that fire, put some water on the fire, um, and kind of calm down a little bit. Um, and, you know, and just tell them to go back to basics, stop thinking. about. Is it easier much. to do that than
1: have to pump a guy
3: out? Um,
1: like I always I think, would say, yeah. I always think yeah, it's definitely. easier to have to restrain a guy than have to push a guy to, yeah. to, to kind of get to that level.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you I can would. see it too. in a guy's face when I, like, if I go out there and I can tell right. him like, Hey, how you feeling? And he's like, you know, I'm, f- I'm feeling all right. And there's some deep breaths and you can tell the energy's not there. It's, it's, it's time probably to make a switch like last batter yeah. here. Yeah. Like we don't, like our staff, it never seems like that didn't happen very often. Eh? Like yeah. they're yeah. like,
2: they all have their own laid back or intense personalities yeah. and, yep. and, and they were pretty much that every single time yeah like yeah they really never wavered much yeah but we got we got a there was one visit that austin made this weekend too that we should probably bring up his first career ejection oh yeah yeah first first career ejection oh, a yeah. yeah, little meeting, at the oh, meeting of the the
3: saturday night um so yeah, there was, was fireworks fun. before the fireworks yeah, was. exactly yeah there no was. it was uh i felt like it was a good opportunity i told the guys i said you know don't talk to the umpires i'll get them and uh, you know i told our catchers too. you know make sure that we're in umpires ears back there getting the calls. And if you think it's a strike, make sure you tell them, but be professional, you know, face forward, Sure. never have it, you know, don't turn around, face an umpire, don't show them up. Uh, don't hold it there longer. Don't drop your shoulders. Just don't you know. make it obvious. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So Boyd's been shoving for us all year. Boyd's been a guy and he never complains about pitches. Yeah. He'll be like a little upset. Hunter you can Boyd. See it. Yeah. Hunter yeah. Boyd there. Um, and, you know, he was getting to the point where he was get, just getting squeezed. Uh, you know, I didn't think he was doing a good job back there. And I know when Boyd's complaining that they're probably there. Because he doesn't um, say
1: a lot, right? Yeah,
3: yeah, exactly. So it was just a time, and I was I was getting frustrated because, you know, I see from the side that the height's good and the catcher's not moving his glove much. And I know how Jake sets up on the plate. He doesn't set up nearly even close off the plate. Uh, I knew that they were probably there. Um, so I just thought it was a good time. And, you know, Boyd was getting frustrated, and I just, you know— there's two pitches back to back that were there that didn't get called strikes. And he walked the guy. Um, so I was frustrated. I threw the clipboard and, you know, got some fireworks going, lights, lit some matches and, uh, the third base umpire tossed me. Uh, so I figured, you know, 2,800 in the stands and I'm, I'm ready. I'm fired up. And, uh, you know, I got Boyd's back and everybody on my staff going to go have a word with the home plate umpire. And, you know, that's something I just, you know, was kind of arguing. I said, this guy never complains. It's been there. I can see the height and, I just went at it and I I kept repeating myself. I I, and I was I I I got going a little bit only because I wanted to make sure that I got my money's worth. Yeah, uh, I feel like I did. And um, did yeah. you did you, you
1: describe your players as savages uh, as uh, Aaron no. Boone? did? No,
3: if it was for a hitter, I probably would have. But my my pitchers my pitchers are savages. Uh, but you know, I just I wasn't thinking about that at the time. Okay, so it was the heat of the moment. point. Yeah, what what of inning was that in? That was the sixth. Okay,
1: yeah. so that had kind of been. But you you probably were thinking about this for a few innings. Are you? Thinking about what you're going to say to the manager. Like I've always, always wonder that it the seems like guys, yeah, this is, is murder is one here. This is it, is yeah, like, is it, it's, it's, yeah. you, see guys, <laughs> you see guys go crazy yeah. all the time. Did you have an idea of what you were going to do? Like say
3: going to like to the umpire. Yeah. I, I just went with it. You just It's heat of the moment because I feel like if I went out there with a piece of paper and forgot my line after that, <laughs> halfway through, uh, I probably would have been like, oh man. Uh, yeah. Well, it, not, it give built
2: up, built up over time because, and like Austin's been around long enough to know like it, it wasn't one pitch yeah of course it, yeah. it was it was it never is it you know the, probably close to 10 to double,
3: almost got the you got the double digits it's probably
2: close <laughs> to 10 where we're not in agreement and yeah. you know once you get past five it's like what the heck mm-hmm. you know, what's going on and then we like you ask the catcher in between like what's going on back there you know like now we have to do our detective work yeah you know, yeah, the suss out the, the, black the, the level someone. of criminal yeah. activity. Yeah, right it's never on.
1: one pitch that causes it all. It's one pitch that maybe tips you over and yeah. then, okay, this is where I'm going to go do it. Yeah. So, well, so have yeah. you enjoyed yourself in that moment? <laughs> I had a great time. The crowd yeah. went wild.
3: Yeah, that's like that's like almost the equivalent of, like, an open ice hit in, like, the third <laughs> period there to get the, get the team back. I thought it was and awesome, really, like, And And
1: you're, now you your pitchers are like, he's got our back, and they're rev- revved yeah. up, and, uh, you know, sometimes – not that you did it on purpose to – whatever, but it just, it happens and it helps, yeah. helps kind of the, the I ballpark, did it, right? Did it, did it,
2: did it well, you know, like no, nobody's coming into a game like, hey, I'm going to get tossed. Like we're, course, we're yeah. more professional than that. But when it does come up, uh, for that being his first time was, was I thought it was really What good. would
1: you give <laughs> it out of a 10?
2: Yeah, like 10s are tough to get. I was yeah. up there like nine. Like that, give it, it a it nine was, out of 10? I thought the energy behind his, temper which wasn't a temper but his rant his... He, yeah the energy behind the rant was was you know that's a 10 i thought the facial expressions were were yeah. legit did I, you kick any dirt no but the, no? the no. hand gestures were where it was at there was there was stern pointing and you know this might be a nine and a half (laughs) out
3: of ten what did the umpire umpire. say to you
1: as is he just listen
3: and then say get out he was listening and he said you can see it and I was like I can see height and I know my catcher I know my catcher's not moving and he was kind of like oh you can see you can see yeah get out of here get out of here and I was just like making sure you got the point and good stuff I I did I'll just just say that I did most of the talking I'll I'll put that there (laughs) credit to the the
2: umpire he he let Austin do what he needed to do there And, and and sometimes like we work with the umpires yeah as and they're human as, too yeah, yeah yeah for sure and and I, I, I appreciate the fact that he i thought the umpire handled it properly and i think austin handled it properly i think it was done professionally and when it was over you know another guy came out the umpire came in the only all let's go and i was heading over there as well to protect austin from from anything further happening and then right at that point he you know he Vacated the field. Like, the timing was great.
1: All right. Well, the timing is now. We're going to toss you now. You're, you're <laughs> tossed from this interview. Yeah, right yeah. So uh, get the heave Two ho, one week. you know, do the uh, all do the mean? theatrics as you walk out of our <laughs> home studio. Where am I going, Where am I going anywhere? <laughs> I'm a savage. I'm, I'm staying I'm here. Staying right here. <laughs> uh, Austin, thanks so much for joining us on the program. Uh, wonderful job uh, this weekend uh, managing the pitching staff to get through so many innings of
3: baseball and enjoy the playoffs. Yeah. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me on.
0: Take me out to the ball game, take me out with the crowd, buy me some peanuts and crackers. Want two tickets to an upcoming prospects game? Get your thinking ball caps on and answer this baseball trivia question.
3: If they don't win it's a shame, for it's one,
0: two, three strikes, you're out at the old Ball
1: game. That's the wonderful singing voice of Christine Bandelow and uh, her husband, uh, Kevin Dabbs, who do all of the voice work for this podcast, as well as, uh, all of the other podcasts you can check out at DeanMillard.ca. And, uh, so we're giving away two tickets to an upcoming game. Well, that's Friday night, baby. How there would you like to go to a playoff game on Friday night? and watch the Battle of Alberta, Okotoks, and the Prospects. So, if you can answer this trivia question, and by doing so, uh, you email us, prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com. Again, that's prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com. If you know the answer to this question, send us an email with the answer, and you could be going to Friday night's playoff game. Who holds the record for most postseason home runs with 29? in Major League Baseball, the most postseason home runs in Major League Baseball at 29. Uh, I stumped you uh, with this one earlier.
2: You didn't have to bring that up, do you know?
1: Well, no, I just wanted <laughs> to uh, prove how tough these questions yeah, are. Yeah, yeah,
2: no, it, uh, I had a couple guesses. You're right, uh, we, we, we didn't get it Austin, off
1: Austin uh, was here when we were uh, talking about this as well, <laughs> and uh, he didn't get it either. So anyway, uh, email us, prospectsbaseballshow at com. Uh, you can get us on Twitter at Prospects Pod uh, at Jordan Blundell4 at DuckMillard and of course at EDM Prospects for all team tweets on Instagram at Prospects Baseball Show. Same thing for Facebook at Prospects Baseball Show. And as mentioned, you can email us Show at gmail.com and check out our site, prospectsbaseballshow.ca. And for all your tickets for Friday night and uh, everything else to do with the team schedule. Roster, everything, it's ProspectsBaseballClub.ca. By the way, last week we had this question. um, What non-pitching position, so not including DH, has the least amount of representation in the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown? It was third base Hmm. that had uh, only 17. Here's the numbers. I'll give you the numbers. There's 83 pitchers, which you, you would think would probably be the most, 18 catchers, 21 second basemen, 17 third base as mentioned 25 shortstops 22 left fielders 24 center fielders 25 right fielders there's two dh 23 managers and 10 umpires so the mo the the best outfield position is right field
2: yeah makes sense Uh, the speed and speed power and and uh, the big time arm
1: and then, uh, out of all infield positions, there's more shortstops than anybody else.
2: I thought the number at third base is a little bit lower than I thought Isn't it would that? be. Like more second base Hall of Famers than third base kind of yeah, weird. There's four more
1: second base Hall of Famers than third
2: there's base. There's a couple so. Hall of Famers coming at third base.
1: Yeah. That's uh, that is, uh, definitely going to be yeah, the They case. might
2: catch up here in the, in the next generation.
1: So there you go. That was our question last week. So if you know who hit, who has hit the most postseason home runs in major league baseball history and you want to go to Friday night's playoff game, email us the answer, Show at gmail.com.
3: <sighs> it's fantasy time.
0: Fantasy baseball, that is.
3: Who needs to be in your lineup?
0: And who shouldn't? We've got the latest info to help you dominate your league. Bumgarner's 1 Bellinger swings, high drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam, Cody Bellinger. It's go time.
1: Well, man, it was go time for my fantasy baseball team in the last couple of weeks. And I'm going to be really disappointed if your fantasy team struggled this past weekend because you were dealing with a few baseball games at Remax Field. I'd be really just dis- if you, you, you better not have neglected your fantasy team.
2: Best week for me all year, 10-1 <laughs> win. Unreal, eh? Isn't that awesome? And it was against a team that's ahead of me and, and, uh, you know, the, the boys have been playing well. We've made a co- couple of good decisions in, uh, in management. Uh, you know, we, we really kicked their butts halfway through the year there. We, we needed to pick it up and the guys have responded. So I'm fighting for that last spot, you know, like. Earlier on when we started talking here, I was a long way away. And I'm, I'm knocking on the door now. There's a couple weeks left. I don't want to get too cocky here. I'm definitely not. A, one week at a time. Uh, I'm playing the number one seed right now this week. So if, like, hey, miracles happen. If I can sneak, sneak a win this week, shoot, dude, uh, I might sneak into this playoffs. And then this is where momentum is. If your fantasy team is rolling, that's where you see momentum in baseball.
1: So just so we're clear with everybody, we're going to have a fantasy baseball league next year. Yeah. We will be starting a a fantasy baseball league throughout, through this podcast and maybe a few other things next year. But, um, I, I'll be, I'm going to, I'm going to have a lot of fun being in our fantasy league, um, and chirping you when you lose (laughs) and you can chirp me when I lose, but my team has not lost. Uh, so there was a really weird quirk in our schedule. So. I played so I was in fifth place and I played the third place team two weeks in a row. Oh, really? Back to back for some reason. So the week before I went from fifth three the last three weeks, I went from fifth into fourth, and then I played this guy in two straight weeks. I'm in third now. Oh wow. I've passed him That's because I've momentum. Played, and I went twelve and 0 this oh this week. No. I crushed him. Oh, wow. 12, so I beat him eight, one and 3 the first week yeah. and then 12 and oh
2: you've crushed their hopes and
1: now i am o- now i'm only 10 games back of second place home field in the playoffs and we have 4 weeks to go That's... and i play that team in the final yeah. week of the season Th- right now listen i i told this to people that were laughing at all the i cuz i sold the farm i said don't worry Keiko's going to sign kershaw's going to get healthy i made some moves the waiver wire mike fires on fire and this is the team that I knew (laughs) that I told myself I was going to have and now I'm taking on the number one team as well and but we got four weeks to go I am if and, and here's the other thing I wanted to say about fantasy baseball maybe more than football injuries can actually help you a little bit as long as it's not the wrong guy getting hurt um, I've, I've been able to stash guys on my roster cause we have injured spots yeah. and I, otherwise I would have had to release a guy. So the right guy getting hurt allows you to, you know, I had just had Ozuna come off the injured list. So I, ha- I was going to have to drop guys and then Kiki Hernandez gets hurt on the injured list so that I don't have to drop a guy right now. So you can, you can stash guys if they're hurt uh, depending on your rules. Um, but, but injuries crushed me at the start of the year. Now they're actually helping me in, in not having to drop a guy yet
2: yeah hopefully that that's the game of baseball evening out as the season goes on the long season evens out at the end of the day and you kind of end up where you're supposed to end up that's crazy dude i hope the best for you man like it's it's so fun near the end of the year with your buddies when you're playing fantasy baseball you're trying to get in so this week i'm playing the number one seed uh right now he's got 93 games left i've got 100 which i'll need that extra little bit of offense maybe you know it's uh yeah, he's stacked. It was a it was a guy that sold at the sold the farm last year, put picked up draft picks, and like he can't even keep all his players. Like we do the six keeper, mm-hmm. he's got nine or ten guys that easily anyone would keep. Um, so to, if you sneak a week against him, you're laughing. I'm hoping for the best here.
1: Vlad Guerrero. The, the the hard thing is is I'm a Dodgers fan, right? So last week the other he had Walker Bueller. So I'm like ah uh, two starts. I'm like, two two. I got to cheer. I, gotta, I can't cheer too. against the Dodgers, right? Yeah. And then this week, the guy is Cody Bellinger that I'm play, playing. I'm like, oh, but you know, I got Max Muncie, so hopefully that kind of balances out a little bit. I know Max Muncie's not as good as Cody Bellinger, but uh, the way that Dodger team is going, well, right here's now, a funny
2: so. story. So Sunday night after our, our the second doubleheader, we're done, like we're in the coach's office in the uh, inside Remax field, and um, I'm check, checking my fantasy you know, like Sunday night, you know, okay, like, hey, where are we at? And it's there's one game left for both teams. And San Diego is playing LA. Yep. He has Kirby Yates on the mound. I've got Verdugo coming up to the plate. And like we're I'm winning this week. It's gonna be a win. But I can steal a category from him if Verdugo gets a hit. And if he gets on base versus Yates. Our whip was tied. Oh yeah. It was going to give me to do, the whip. Yeah. So I'm watching this game with like huge implications for my fantasy on this one at bat. And it was guys from both teams facing each other on TV.
1: The only thing that could have made it better is if the guy you were playing was sitting beside
2: you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like get him out. Like, no, get on base. So Verdugo smashed the ball at Hosmer. There was a man on second, none out and Hosmer playing deep. Picked it up and threw across the field. They got the lead out at third base. So Verdugo gets on base. Yates stays in the game. Bellinger actually, like whoever, uh, it was Turner. No, somebody won the game off Yates. So his whip had gone up, but that was huge for me. I'm like, yeah, I got that category. I would have stole a second one if Verdugo had snuck that ball through versus getting caught. So pretty cool.
1: One stipulation for our fantasy baseball league next year will be, is you have to attend the draft live. (laughs) Like there's nothing better than, than live drafts. So, so anyway, that it's been, it's an interesting time in fantasy baseball because I don't know how many weeks you guys have left. We have four counting this week. So you're getting down to the nitty gritty. You don't want to peak too soon. You want to go in on like a seven game heater like you yeah, guys. Yeah, so, yeah, we've got four um,
2: this week plus three, so four weeks left.
1: Vlady e was a monster AL player of the week. And, um, you know, you look at the uh, Bo Bichette now. And, um, you know, the Blue Jays have some exciting fantasy players. Uh, if not, you know, there's, there, I, I, people are pissed off that there's nobody left from those teams. That's baseball. That's yeah. what happens in yeah. baseball. You retool, and now you have these awesome young players to watch and also contribute in fantasy baseball because it's nice when your favorite players can be on your team.
2: Yeah. If you, if you go, let's say, let's say it takes two more years and then they have these guys for like 10 year careers before they move on in free agency, whatever they play, play the six years of controllable. They get them signed to this long, long contract after year three, to buy out a couple of years of free agency and you get these guys for nine, 10 years in year six seven eight nine ten. 10. Nobody's going to be talking about, man, we missed JDI. I do too. Except
1: Marcus Stroman. Yeah, Marcus like- Stroman might be the only guy still <laughs> bitching about this yeah, yeah. B- back then or it, in in that time.
2: It w- it, it's good business as Oakland's done it. Lots of teams have done this. Atlanta's done it. Like the best teams do this. Except was- the Yankees. Except, well, and they've reloaded in the farm, so like they they can do both because they have right, the but resources. They, they,
1: when is the last time you ever saw the Yankees rebuild from nothing? It just doesn't happen. You're
2: right. A couple of years ago, they kind of backed off the free agency when yeah, the that, judge that, that's came. That's as up. close as they get. Yeah, I they, guess they, they right? backed yeah. off a little bit. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Well, they've got like the Yankees have some homegrown like Severino, Batonsis, sure Judge
1: and they've had homegrown a lot of Torres. homegrown players that are hall of famers yeah. they de- they have i'm not saying that they buy all their players yeah. they have developed like some of the best players in the game yeah, they yeah. They, de- they developed but uh
2: well you're going to watch this young jays team grow together um for me it's exciting i, I like it you know and, and i had
1: no problem trading Strowman. i thought it was the best no, move they could have no, made
2: yeah and i, I, I would have had no problem them re-signing them even though there's some but they would have overpaid like- some attitude there that sometimes rubs rubs me the wrong way, but I his love drama, it. Competitive. He,
1: his he's he's a good player. He's not good enough for the drama he brings. Like if you're if you're Barry Bonds, remember Shea Hillebrand telling us he had the ghetto. Yeah. Like if, if you're Barry Bonds, you put up with that drama. Yeah. If you're Roger Clemens, you put up with that drama. If you're Manny Ramirez, you're probably putting up with that drama, and that guy had drama. Yeah.
2: If you're a number three, four guy, yeah, you're probably Strowman
1: is not not those guys he's not good enough to put up with that kind of he, his drama in my opinion does not match his talent it's there's too much drama not enough talent
2: yeah um, the mets are rolling here right now 500 first <laughs> um and they just picked up a three four arm
1: okay so that's fantasy baseball uh i don't want to get too worked up about uh yeah, he's calm down over there he, the uh <laughs> He fires me up. So anyway, fantasy baseball is going to give out more fun. We're going to have a fantasy league next year. You'll have yeah. to be at the live draft, and then maybe we'll get together for the all-star break. We'll t- we'll try to do some yeah. uh, events, maybe down at the home plate lounge or yep. something like that. Need and hopefully it's... drafted the lounge. That's where we'll do it. That's yep. exactly where we're going to do as our Done. draft is the home plate lounge next spring. And hopefully you guys have a uh, long lease. The pitch. There's a long one to
2: right field. Forget about it. This one is headed for New Jersey.
0: Who is the best left fielder of all time? How about your favorite shortstop ever? What a double play by Ozzie Smith! Oh, mercy! It's time to build your all time team.
1: All right, we are down to the final position in our all time team. Uh, we've started with uh, right fielders, we went all the way through DH and relievers. And we're at starting pitchers, which we said at the beginning was going to be the hardest one to do. I think. I think this is. Uh, there were some really easy deepest, ones. Deepest maybe. Hard
2: hardest because there's so many options. That's to what be. I yeah. mean. Yeah,
1: because there, there's like we just said, there's 83 pitchers in in Cooperstown, right? <laughs> yeah. More than any other position. Uh, some of those are relievers, but majority of them are starters. Yeah. This is the hardest. I agree. Category to to pick. So let's do our favorites first yeah. of all because yeah. that's easy because we all. Have our favorites. Who's your favorite starting pitcher of all time?
2: I've got uh, Pedro. Pedro Martinez. I love Pedro. I'm an Expos guy. You guys know that. Um, I love when Pedro came over from the Dodgers for Delano De Shields. Um, Young and brash and and was bringing it. um, Like completely an Expo. It sucks. I got to Like I can't believe the Expos aren't there Like, Pedro came in and absolutely shoved. He was so good. Uh, Wasn't afraid to go up and in. Multiple pitches for strike. Bugs buddy change up. Hammer curve ball. Velo fastball, 98. Could spot it, run it, cut it, curve it. Didn't matter. Pedro. And he had some demeanor on the mound. He had some flair. And I thought it was like with- Took down a Yankee coach. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with the Red Sox. I felt like Pedro's flair was controlled and measured compared to some of the stuff we see today in okay. the game. You know, with the leg kicks and the big hooting and hollering, which I'm not against. Um, I just like the way Pedro did it. Like there was there was a chip on his shoulder when he did it. It wasn't to show you up. It was to tell you, I'm better than you. It wasn't that I just beat you right now. Is that I will beat you every time? And that was always his demeanor. I love that. Pedro's my favorite of all time. Do you know?
1: All right, I, I was a uh, I, I liked Pedro. I liked his uh, flair. He wasn't a big guy either, no, right? Little like, guy. Uh, he's not really the uh, the tallest dude that uh, takes the hill. But my favorite is the bulldog, Oral Hershiser, um, nineteen eighty eight. Uh, I don't even. I've told this story a lot on my in on the radio. I don't know if I've told this on this podcast. I'll, I'm going to save it for baseball memory. But that's when I became a Dodger fan. Was Kirk Gibson's home run in eighty eight? But I became an Oral Hershiser fan in in turn with that because he was so dominant uh, in the yeah. in the World Series um that and whole then playoff run. And he, yeah, he he like just like the bulldog is a perfect nickname because he was laser focused. He's not physically intimidated. Like he's not Randy Johnson scary yeah. or Roger Clemens scary kind or like Nolan Pedro Ryan. A bit. Yeah, he's just kind of unassuming. Like you if you if you saw him on the street you might think he's an accountant, not a uh, Hall of Fame pitcher. <laughs> totally. And uh um I think, uh, or should be Hall of Fame, in my Hall of Fame. Yeah. I I just think uh, he was so, he had so so much command, I thought, and, uh, you know, was like just gritty, you know. I don't know if he was ever going to throw 20 strikeouts in a game, but he was going to get 27 outs in a game, right? And so I just, and I loved him and I followed his career. Um, and then you know one of my favorite things is in this stratomatic baseball game that I <laughs> yeah. used to play. I threw a no hitter with yes. Oral Hershiser. Perfect. Like, I just threw a no hitter with my favorite pitcher. It was it was so awesome. So I've been a fan of the Bulldog. Um, and then you know he went to Cleveland and uh, different places and has been uh, doing some coaching and stuff. So for me, my favorite was Oral Hershiser. It's interesting. Uh, I I looked at a list of uh, the top. Uh, a ranking of the top baseball players. Pedro was 10, uh, Oral's not on that list. Uh, I, and, and I'm not fooling myself. It's like my, uh, my Andy Moog wall of fame that I have yeah. here. I should have a, a bulldog wall <laughs> of fame for the Hershiser. Uh, so Pedro was 10th. Uh, I know who your best pick is and I know who my best pick is, and I'm just going to tell you, they, I'm just going to look at this list again, um, on this list. They are number three and number four.
2: Oh, there it is. On that list. For pitchers or overall?
1: Top starting pitchers.
2: Okay. Who's the best in your opinion? Well, when when I was thinking about who who am I going to choose for this, I, I, I broke it down to game seven, my choice, World Series on the line. I get to pick one guy out of like, you know, there's 83 Hall of Famers, so you really can't go wrong here. Uh, before I tell you the name, I'm giving you my my runner-up, and it's a, it's a funny one. It's, it's a little bit off the wall. Jack Morris, like it, who's a better Game Seven guy than him? But my my the best Blue Jays of, fans would
1: agree, uh, and Tiger twin, fans yeah, and Twins. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah, like
2: yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like this guy did it in the biggest game multiple times. But my guy that I'm going with, best of all time, the big unit, Randy Johnson, coming from the left side about 300 miles an hour. Releases the ball basically right at your face. It's already down the mound. It's like it's coming out like 45 feet because he's so dang tall in the wingspan. Intimidating, dominating, crazy stuff. Mows guys down. The treats hitters like with no respect. I love him on the mound. That's, that's my best guy of all time. Awesome.
1: Uh, <laughs> I, I love the big unit. I loved uh, Randy Johnson. I thought, uh, speaking of the Expos uh i thought uh, he was so intimidating
2: unreal uh, especially
1: for camera guys on the streets <laughs> of new york um and birds um but uh quick story about uh um jack morris when he was with the blue jays for some reason my aunt did not like him and would get so mad when jack morris was pitching and i'm like why are you getting mad he's such a good pitcher but she would get really mad. she was a big blue jays fan um but she but she was happy when uh, jack morris would get them wins but yeah, she just did not like him for some <laughs> reason so um I, you know i i looked at this and, and this is why it's so hard because there's a guy who has an award named after him but i I have no idea all what, right. what he looked like he has uh, you know something like 511 wins so Cy Young was a possibility, but I don't know. I don't lefty Grove was awesome. Um, you know, Koufax, Kershaw, I could, you know, Kershaw I have seen, but I'm not ready to put him as the greatest of all time. I think he's one of the, he's a legend. Yeah. Um, but there's so many guys that I didn't really see Bob Gibson, all these guys. Um, but I did see Maddox and Schmoltz and Brit and, um, Glavin and I, I do see Kershaw. And I saw Roger Clemens, uh, and Pedro and, and the, all these legendary pitchers that we saw and, and when you break it down, like you said to who do I want on the mound for one game, game seven of the world series, I'm going with Nolan Ryan, the
2: express eh? i
1: I've got to, um, listen to this. Not only did he play 27 seasons. Oh, that's it. Yeah. But when he was from the age 40 to 44, you notice know war was. Wins above replacement. So now
2: we're talking five years, 40, 41, 2, 3, 4. What is it? 21.3. Dang.
1: From age 40 to 44. <laughs> yeah. He was getting better. Ugh. He has the most walks of any time because yeah. and the most strikeouts. And there was seven no-hitters, right? Unreal. So, I, you know, here's the dumbest thing about Nolan Ryan's career. He never won a Cy Young. But yet he's the guy I'm going to... One game, because he's probably going to throw a no-hitter, yeah. and I'm going to win, right? I'm not going to have to worry.
2: He's going to strike a bunch of guys yeah. out, too. And, and he'll like beat a guy arm. up if he needs yeah. to. Don't charge the mound. Don't. Do, do not. Do, don't. Do that's not. a bad idea. So
1: <laughs> me, uh, But here's the thing. When we when we came up with it, I came up with two names. The other name I had was Randy Johnson. Yeah, there it is. Because the intimidation factor. I want a guy that's going to intimidate somebody. And
2: uh, Nolan Ryan satisfies that, too. Yeah. So both those guys you know were pretty fun. intimidating. I like. I, I wouldn't put it past a clubhouse to talk about this stuff. So, the the White Sox talking in the clubhouse, like, hey, man, if that old man comes up and in, I'm going to go get him on the mound. He's like, yeah, me too, dude. Yeah, we're like, going to do he, it. If he drills me, man, I'm, I, I don't have a problem. I'll go out there and beat up that old man. I wonder if that conversation played out like that in some sh- way, shape, or form like that. Like, if this guy does this, I'm going to do this. And then never drill.
1: ever had that conversation again after Robbie Kirk. No, mature that would be the last up. time, right? Yeah. <laughs> So I'm going with Nolan Ryan, you're going with, uh, uh Randy Johnson. Um, and there, there's a massive list that we, we're yep. not getting to. So,
2: you know, there's more guys we've left off than. Yeah,
1: yeah. exactly. But that's, that's baseball. That's the, the most, uh, it's, it's the most history of anything. So <laughs> yeah. you have to go back. So anyway, that's our all time team. So w- the reason we're doing all time team is you can win tickets to the winter banquet just for participating in all-time team. Send us your all-time team. It can be a list of the best players at each position, or it could be a list of your favorite players at each position. As long as every position has a name on it, you're in the mix, and you can do uh, relief pitchers and DH as well as starting pitcher and all the position players. Two different winners will be chosen, one for the best team, one for the favorite team, and winners will receive Winter Banquet tickets, which, uh, you guys have had, uh, some pretty big names yeah. at your past winter banquet, uh, events, haven't you?
2: Roberto Alomar, Buck Martinez. I, am I excited to see who we come up with this year? We like, we've got some names. We really haven't dug into exactly what we're going to do, but yeah. I mean, shoot dude, at some point we're not going to be able to keep topping this. Like I know, both those guys are legit. So. so
1: you can, you can go for free. Uh, and it's a great event. It's at yeah, it really the old is. hangar. Uh, um, really the, the guys, in our group on Saturday, we're actually talking about uh, oh, how, how they were looking forward to try to get in on that. So send us that to uh, prospects, baseball show at gmail.com prospects, baseball show at gmail.com. Send us your list and you could be going to the winter banquet. Let's quickly wrap up with then versus now. And we're, we did starting pitchers. Um, so we might as well do that. We, we've talked about you know the how the DH had of, has evolved into kind of an everyday player position yeah. um, over time. Starting pitching has changed so much in I, I don't know what the time frame is. It been five years. Um, when did when do you think you started noticing that a pitchers are not going as long as the at the as the starting position starting pitcher position, and then the opener. When do you, when do you remember this coming into the game? The opener is uh very
2: recently. Yeah, yeah, the
1: opener, but when did you start noticing the decline in innings pitched for the starters? Has it been 10 years? 5 years longer?
2: Yeah, it's yeah, it's probably pushing 10 like Doc when Doc was around um there was still an emphasis on being that number one guy that yeah. went 220.
1: Imagine trying to go out and take Nolan Ryan out in the 4th yeah, right. inning yeah, now?
2: Exactly. or randy johnson yeah no chance good luck have fun with that they'll beat
1: you up like robin
2: they'll give you the ventura treatment yeah exactly Uh, jesse the body and the robin
1: (laughs) ventura treatment
2: well there's still like there's been such a specialization in uh the maximization of your ability in all sports so what that's translated to into baseball is third time through the lineup the guy is just not that successful compared to the first two times now, every once in a while, you have the Analy- outlier. That's analytics, analytics coming in, right? Every, you have the out, that no-hitter outlier that it doesn't matter who's playing you, This guy's on tonight. So you have to take that into account. And then with the specialization of arms and the training and the ability to throw velocity and command the velocity, it's like, well, why wouldn't we go to the guy that throws 98 with a hammer for 12 pitches and then go to the other guy that throws from the side uh, at 94 and it runs a foot and a half and then you're like, twelve to sixteen to eighteen inches that's unhittable. Let's go to him and then and then your closer's dirty too and the game's over. Um and and you put people in roles and then you can go back to that starting pitcher because he's still healthy and um like that yeah there's some sports science uh, and I think it's right. Um, I, I do miss like the, the standard 200 inning barrier. I think, I think there's still value for that. I think there'll always be value.
1: Okay. Would you rather just as a fan, take your coach hat off as a fan. When you watch baseball, would you rather watch a guy go, Six, seven innings, and then give way to a couple of relievers, as opposed to a guy go three innings or four innings, and then switch and switch and switch. Yeah, what, I like that. I prefer.
2: I like going going deep into the games with the starting pitcher for sure. That's as a fan. Yeah, as a fan and as a manager.
1: Well, as a manager for sure. Yeah, I cause think
2: because then it just keep you just keep bullets you save left. Your yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's still things left. You know, like teams that have success, and I don't think this is going to change. Like Tampa is a little bit of the outlier, but they still have a couple horses is the teams that get the most innings out of their starting pitching are usually the teams that are there at the end of the year. Like the the year the White Sox won, they had five starting pitchers all go every fifth day. Mm. And the ability to do that and put your bullpen in a routine saves taxing their arms. We don't know the analytics of what it costs you to use an opener all season and to use the middle inning, two inning. We don't know what that cost is because we don't have enough data over the years to say, this is the way you should do it because their perform at the end of the year, their performance is still there and they they elevate their performance. So We're not sure yet if it really works. Um, strategically in one game for sure it can work. Um, do we know that that can work over 162? We don't know yet. And then take the 162 and go into the playoffs. Does it work in the playoffs? We don't know yet either. You and I talked last year about the Brewers and the Dodgers series That's right. that we never really revisited. When they were using the openers and I said, well, you might see in the, in game seven, they they're one arm short and they ended up being one Mm -hmm. arm short in game seven. The Dodgers beat them because Jeffress came in and he was done. He didn't have his stuff yet. And they
1: were trying to outsmart the Dodgers and Dave Roberts was like, no, we're just going with this guy. We're, we're going with this lineup because we know they're going to switch early.
2: Yeah. Like there was no trickery at that point. It's like, why are you doing this? Okay. Well, we'll, we'll sacrifice one inning for the next eight versus trying to flip flop in and out. Yeah. I mean. It was, it was, as it turned out, they were one guy short. Yeah.
1: So yeah uh, yeah, that, that, the, the, um, you know, like, have you guys used an opener? Have we, you guys gone that route? We
2: room? did yesterday.
1: Right. That's a s- little bit of a special.
2: Yeah. 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 You're right. Yeah. Right? yeah so, but so on regular, a regular rest, basis,
1: you're hoping to get five, six from your starter, right? When you throw them out there.
2: Yeah. Um, and like I said, I think, I think in a one-off, uh, there's as much value in that as a guy going nine. Like you know, you get a guy that comes in, shuts the door for one or two innings, and another guy that goes over 160 to a long season. I don't know yet, mm-hmm. data wise, if that's the right way to do it. Um, you may see us do that here this week in the playoffs as we strategize what we think will give us the best opportunity to win mm-hmm. in a one-off. You know, maybe we'll go with this guy to this guy for a reason to help affect their timing as an, as an offense, give them a different look, have them have to make adjustments quickly versus settling in against a guy. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a couple tricks up our sleeve. We'll see if we use them.
1: Well, that's, uh, all the power to you. You can do, uh, anything you want as a coach, as long as you don't use the shift or you're, and then you're <laughs> never allowed back on this uh, show again. uh, Jordan, um, the playoffs are here, man. Congratulations on that nice first step. You know. Uh, I hope there's a few more rounds that we're going to be talking about. Thursday, you start in Okotoks. Friday, you're at REMAX Field. Tickets can be purchased uh, through the website, prospectsbaseballclub.ca. You can win tickets right here on this show for Friday night's game by answering our trivia question. Have fun. Thursday night, Okotoks. Friday night here, Saturday if necessary, in Okotoks. And on Monday, I'm looking forward to us chatting about round two of the playoffs. Yes, sir. Uh, thanks so much. Good luck, man. Thanks, Dino. Ban the shift.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's gone. It's a grand slam. And that's the ball game. This is the